Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is. Woo! The sensation, Jason Gavon! Danmark har fået en ny verdens mester. Mikkel Tesla. He's the fucking champion of the world. Mikkel Tesla. Ладони Стивенсон писал в чат. Но, я думаю, Розадо гудбой. Розадо гудбой. Я become a massive international superstar. It's as simple as that. I eat your ass for the life, bitch. Scared of the real man. I'll fuck you till you love me, faggot. I'm going to physically shoot David Head. He fucking glassed me. He glassed me. Derek, who down? I'm Shannon Briggs. I'm hard to kill. I'm the black team of the ball. I'm hard to fucking kill. Well, I believe Christopher can take a punch. I'm very good at math and looking at a fighter and seeing what his abilities are. I can't see that Golovkin has anything like Christopher's speed, his power, his punching ability, his hand speed, his foot movement. I don't see that from a calculating point of view. I don't see that he has anything like that. So then it's going to come down to heart. You know, I spoke to Joe Gallagher, they don't want to fight Carl Frampton. And the bottom line is, you know, no disrespect to Bosch Brandon, these guys aren't good enough to face Carl Frampton. I'm the best heavyweight champion of the world. I'm half WPC with me. I'm undefeated champion. Undisputed champion. I want good next. He's got my Dino Rivo nucleic acid. Undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Who's next? I love boxing sound. It's as simple as that. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the 417th edition of the Boxing Asylum Nuttos podcast. I'm your host, Steve Wellings, and joining me on the call so far, we have Andy Patterson, and that is about it. The two of us will be going live at 8 o'clock on YouTube every Sunday evening. The Patreon RSS feed updates shortly after the show concludes. Hello to everybody listening during the week on Apple Podcasts, as it's called these days, Spotify, SoundCloud. Don't forget to leave a review of the podcast on the podcast player of your choice throughout the entire month of, where are we now? Yeah, April. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. You can give us a bit of abuse if you want. We don't mind a bit of abuse. How are you on this Sunday evening, Andy? Uh, just the, the twosome so far. Hopefully we'll get some more voices jumping on soon. Yeah, I prefer a threesome myself, mate, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, but they're not bad. They're not bad. Uh, first couple of days, Easter holiday and that, out, out in the garden, trying to get it all spruced up and stuff, got fucking sunburn on the head and that, so it's been a good start to the weekend and that, maybe a, a, an old D and vitamin D I think it is as well, so it's kind of shagged out last night, so we'll wait and see how we're going to fare up better today at least, so other than that, we're all good. 
All good. Sucked out, fucked out, looking for a handout. Andy's been in the garden all day, enjoying himself. Hopefully everybody in the chat's enjoying themselves. Uh, for want of anything better to do before we go on to Frampton, Uzbek, Tim's U and all the other bits and pieces that we like doing every Sunday. Let's have a look in the chat, see who's hanging around there. Matthew D'Souza's in, Gerwin Davis, Eggy Phil, Johnny Horse, Cock Nelson, Michael Thompson, Fox B, uh, Richard Wetton, James Windsor. Let's have an extended look, shall we? See who's... Uh, on up here as we scroll, Mr. Jones, Leon the Canteen, even to you, Liam Wynn, Craig Konjak. Hopefully, I've pronounced that correctly. If not, then tough shit. There's Take Ames, Rob Barnett, uh, all the usual faces. Uh, John Wayne, he's having a good time as always. His old John, Jamie Albrecht, Kaiser Cobra, Matt Caulfield, listening from Australia, who says, Good morning. Indeed, it is Kaiser Cobra. Mentioned you already, getting a double shout out. Uh, Danny and Paver. Welcome to you all. Head low, Toby Hines as well, both jumping in on this Sunday evening, Andy. Let's forget about all that stuff. Go over to the Caesars Palace in Dubai. Uh, Frank Warren, Bob Arum, Jose Mohan, whoever he is, uh, we're all involved in this. USA, ESPN+, Plus. the undercard was on IFL TV. Managed to catch the main event on Channel 5. Jamel Herring knocking out Carl Frampton in the sixth round. Successful WBO Super Featherweight title defence. You called it last week with the uppercuts, Andy. I called it with the cut being a factor as well. On behalf of Jamel Herring, just wasn't at the races, old Carl. Too big, too strong was Jamel. I must admit, Andy, I thought Jamel Herring was absolutely superb. I think he did everything right and he was a thoroughly deserved victor. Yeah, uh, without doubt, uh, very dominant, shall we say. Uh, probably also a bit of factor in that as well, as you say, Frampton up too high in weight and probably, as, as has been mentioned as well, probably, you know, well, definitely at the end of his peak. Um, Parfait likes maybe round four, where I thought he maybe got himself a, a wee foothold in the fight and that. Um, I thought he had a better fourth round compared to how it went, went before. And that obviously he had, the, he had the cut to kind of work on as well. He'd maybe try and worsen that, maybe get it, get it to work for him and that. But uh, you, you could just see uh, the way that um, Heron was approaching it. Sh you know, straight shots, good jab. And really, if he was finding a home for the uppercut to the body and to the head uh, throughout the fight... Um, it says the, the fourth round was, was, was a good round for Frampton. I thought, I don't know if it was enough to win it, but it was certainly giving me a bit more encouragement. And then he walks into that straight left hand in the, in the fifth, goes down the first time. Uh, the second one uh, with, the, with the uppercut again, um, I, I really thought he was out. Uh, so it must have been when it, when it hit impact with the, with the floor, he must have just kind of came to. Because I, I was expecting the head to hit off the canvas the way he went down there. But um, he looked like he was going to get up straight away, then he's like, oh, well, the legs are no there, so he kind of waited, kind of like, for the last knockings and then got up, but, you know, you could have said that the towel could have come in far, far, a, a wee bit sooner, but um, uh. it was only it was only heading one way anyway, by, uh, by that point, um, and, you know, showed a bit of class at the end of that as well, uh, I did think he'd be saying that as well, well since you should be interviewing Heron here, he's the winner and stuff like that, so it was a bit of class, Um so yeah, I mean, was, look, he's had a, he's had a good career. Um, you know, no many fighters can actually kind of go abroad and take tens of thousands of fans with him and stuff. You know, Vegas, New York and stuff. There's only a kind of select kind of band that can do it. Hayes done it. You know, Hatton obviously done it as well. Um, maybe Kalzagi towards the latter end. Maybe um, I can't remember how many he took over for Hopkins and stuff like that. But certainly Frampton has always had that. You know, that that cross divide forward and that as well, which has always helped him. Um, have his haters on both sides of the divide and that as well. But um, as a as as a British fighter, Irish fighter, however way you want to put it, now he's been he's been very good for the sport. Um, some people will kind of like say, well, listen, he's only had like the one or two great wins and stuff like that. But and if David Hater here was was here and Gabe was here and that as well, they would be saying, oh, well, you duck Rigo and all that sort of stuff. So fuck him and that. But 
his career's his career's been where it is. You know, he's done well for himself, made a bit of money, lost a bit of money, and then won it back. I suppose in that as well. But uh, I think probably part of me thinks he still went. He only went on for long enough to try and recoup some of the money that was was taken from him. Probably. Mm. Um, I think other than that, I think he could have maybe have bailed out after maybe the the Josh Warren defeat or maybe the the, uh, the Daniel winner or whatever that like, got in the high. But circumstances maybe just you know made you know just. Made them have to kind of fight on for a wee bit longer than what he should have. Uh, and I think Andy ESPN, Bob Arum came knocking, looking for headliners and fights at the time. It seemed the logical yeah. move for Frampton to carry on. But like you said, I expected him to hang them up after Warrington. Yeah. The other thing as well is you know, he was also bringing in American TV. Chances are as well as you know, Frampton was going to get his wish, get a world title fight and probably fight on Belfast. Covid's hit. And to be honest with you, I think you know, that fight would obviously have harmed in Belfast yesterday if it had been for Covid. It would have been a a good, it's been a good weekend, I suppose. I think mm. we'd all been there. Um, whether they went out like that, who knows? But um, yeah, it would have been a, it would have been a good weekend, probably like a, you know, one final cheerio and stuff like that. But as I've seen you guys last night, you know, after um, we Frampton retired and stuff, you know, then you obviously got Fury and Joshua kind of maybe maybe two or three years away before they decide to kind of walk away. We're running out of headline stars or or, or, or fighters that can actually draw in the big crowds, maybe take crowds with them and stuff like that on the road. So we're kind of we're kind of run. Obviously, Warden got beat there as well. So you know, there's there's another kind of ticket seller potentially kind of fluttering over the on, on the edges and that. And maybe even maybe retired or maybe not get another, another big opportunity and stuff like that. So you know, we'll wait and see what kind of is going to come through the ranks and stuff. But but it's getting kind of kind of a bit thin for me, like. Yeah, British boxing's booming, some people say, but as Andy rightly outlines there, it might not be so rosy, the future. Shout out to Howie John, his future's got a bit rosier there. He said, Gutted never got a shout out. There's your shout out for you, Howie. You can rest easy on this Sunday evening. Now, Kaiser Cobra said, Herring get boxed Frampton quite a bit and used his size. Overall had the feeling that he would beat Frampton at this weight, even if Carl was not past it. Uh, take aim said no Davis fight for Frampton. No, he was predicting a Javonta Davis Frampton fight on Friday night. He's a stone cold killer, that fella. I'll take aims. Uh, Kaiser again going on up with the 8 inch reach advantage. Uh, the reach advantage uh, was definitely a factor. The body shots, he was fighting well at range. Andy Herring, he was fighting well on the inside as well. Look, just looks so strong. And Carl, obviously, we know he's not at his best weight, but you could sort of see that in his midriff and that, that he was, he, he was too high up in weight. I think that Herring. He's grown as a champion, whether it's, it's the fact he's won the belt or he's hooked up with Crawford, these new trainers, new management team, whatever it is. He seems to have just grown as a fighter and he's really coming into his own. He could go and lose the title next and this was his, his swan song. But it, it's the association that the champion, he's, he's really risen to the occasion. Herring, and he, he looks like a much better fighter than the guy who was losing to Shafikov a few years ago. His, his career has really gone on the upward trajectory. Yeah, he's 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 made he's certainly kind of carved out a good career for himself and stuff. I mean, I forget how many defenses that belt is made doing that, but you know, I, I think if if he can still maintain that weight and that, I mean, I don't know what his body fat must be trying to make weight for for one thirty and that, but it's something ridiculous. But he's always he's always in shape and stuff. As you say last night, he he just he just kept it kept it simple. You know, just just uses uses advantages and stuff. I don't think he kind of like maybe kind of crouched in a little bit to Frampton size, but. Obviously, Frampton had issues trying to get inside those those long levers. Now, anyway, and that was only only way Frampton was going to be successful was to try and maybe try and get inside, and you know get the shots off. But then he was maybe kind of standing in the pocket too long, and that's why he was catching those 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 uh, counter left hands, as I mentioned, especially the uppercuts and stuff. And there was a few of them, especially to the body, and that as I says. But um, all in all, you got you got to hand it to uh, to Hearn and that as well, you know, because he's had to come through in his life and that as well. I think he even seen active service and that. 
you know, no, 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 a lot of guys come back for that type of kind of trip and that kind of like the, the full person again after kind of seeing some of the stuff going through war and that. But he's 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 done well. You come in there, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if he would actually kind of. I know he was talking about retirement again at one point and that as well. I don't know if he's been serious in that with it, with with that talk and that, but. You would think that maybe Uncle Bob could potentially get him a. Well, I think obviously the Stevenson fight would be number one in that, but you know, other than that, maybe maybe get him a the unification maybe with likes of Valdez and stuff like that because uh, I don't know if Valdez he's he he's a top ranked fighter, so yeah, that's a potential fight that could get made. But um, obviously Stevenson that as well as so I think he'll be champion. He'll be he'll be, he'll be wanting his shot as well next, so he can call himself a two weight champion and that. But uh, certainly like, there's, there's certainly a couple of good options there for Heron and stuff, but. Um, Whatever it is going to be, I could see, I could maybe see Aram try to cash out him at this point now as well. What is he, mid 30s? Um, mm. Apart from the weight and that, I mean, going up to like say 135, feed him to, to Lopez. I don't know. Here, Andy, just before we bring Ben in, Leon the Canteen says the WBO awarded Shakur Stevenson versus right. Jeremiah Nakathila, whoever that is, with the winner fighting Herring. Herring has 30 days to accept or vacate. Interesting. I've never heard of that other guy you mentioned it either. So that maybe opens up a you know an avenue, and again it would depend on that uh, eliminator's kind of like sank, uh, schedule for and that. And I don't know how quick they want to get Heron back out or Valdez for that matter. And that, but I think that's a logical fight to get made. Maybe one at ESPN would be happy to get made as well because unification fight potential. Maybe get a, a decent venue. Maybe get some fans in there and that as well in America somewhere, like Texas and stuff. Mm. So uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, ben Fruki is on the call. How are you this Sunday evening, Ben? Keeping well? Yeah, I'm sorry. I just popped out from the stroll It's freezing, so... Get the, get the hold up, Ben. What about Herring against Frampton, then? What was your verdict from your, your position? Uh, it's just um, heartbreaking to watch, really, wasn't it? Um, you know, Carl's given us all so much as fans over the years, and it was sad to see him go out like that, really. Um, not the way he or, or most of us would have wanted to see him go up. Um, I think you know, he just didn't, just Carl just hasn't had that same sort of pop since since sort of the Warrington fight, and um, it's just been a, a steep decline since then, hasn't it? And uh, you know, Herring was just too big, way too big for him yesterday, um, too strong, and uh, yeah, it was, it was sad to see, um, but. Um, I thought Heron, like uh, I'm sure Andy's already said, boxed better than um, most of us expected. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a decent performance from him, but again, it was against a, a shadow of Frampton, really. Um, where he goes next, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you guys have just covered, but uh, obviously, Steve, we talked before earlier in the week about um, Bob wanting the Stevenson fight. Yeah. Um, you just mentioned the. Um, the mandatory. I did see that. I did see that um, had been ordered, but who, I didn't uh, see who it was against. It's the mighty Jeremiah Nakathila. Yeah, I've got no idea who that is, but it sounds like a WBO mandatory. <laughs> well, for, for casuals like you, Ben, who don't know who Jeremiah <laughs> Nakathila is, uh, he's a Namibian. He's twenty-one yeah. and one with seventeen KOs. And I'm sure the the main thing you want to know here is let's find out if he's fought in the canteen. No, I can confirm no canteen appearances. No canteen appearances. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, yeah. Uh, I suppose if it, it depends how how strong the WBO WBO are with it. But um, you'd think Bob wants to um, yeah, either keep it in-house like he does with the WBO belts or 
um, try and uh, try and unify somehow. Did um, there was Andy mentioned in Valdez there as a yes. potential? Yeah, yeah, again, but um, yeah, Valdez wipes floor with him, I think. But um, but uh, I don't think Herring's obviously got long left either. Didn't he say he was going to retire if he lost uh-huh. um, so yesterday? So so yeah, um, maybe maybe he'd be willing to you know to to take that gamble. Um, but uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Good stuff, Ben. Stay with us for as long as you can, of course. Andy, back over to you again. One thing I was thinking, obviously, after the fight in the ring, the MC, he was quite the character here. I thought he did okay, to be honest. He was interviewing Frampton, and he mentioned to him, uh, well, Frampton mentioned about Jamie Moore, the influence of the camp, guys like Nigel Travers and uh, Tommy Coyle, and now he's been enjoying himself. I know it's a bit of a political statement. He's been enjoying himself more over the last few years. Obviously, they're a tight-knit team and everything, but how has that translated into the ring? Outside of the ring, he's never been happier and things have been going great. But inside of the ring, uh, how do we assess his performances since he hooked up with Jamie Moore and what he's achieved? Well, I'm trying to think, though. When did they hook up with him again? Was it around about eight, what, is it 2018? Yeah. Donair, would it have been before Donair? Yeah. Did he? No, he fought someone before Donair. Who's that guy who fought before Donair? He was in Mexican, wasn't he? Yeah, he oh. um Oh, I was at the fight, I can't remember who the guy was. I think he had fought Jojo Diaz or somebody at one point. But I think yeah. uh, it was Horatio Garcia, was it? Yeah, something like that, mate. Yeah. Something like that. Well, um, well, after that, really, I mean, yeah, the Luke Jackson fight, obviously, if I, if I recall it right, in that he was trying to get him to get himself into a manoeuvre for a, a world title. Then, um, I'm trying to remember, Donair, and then obviously, he, oh, that's what it was, he, he, he challenged Warren and then he lost and decided to go and wait and stuff, then he's had the problems with the hands. In the day, um, I don't really think by that point in Carroll's career, you know, what could anybody else apart from maybe Shane or whatever and that really try and do with him because by that point in his career, he doesn't really need much of a trainer, I don't think. Maybe maybe, maybe a, a certain eye insight in that as to, as to how to break it down a fight and how it's actually mm-hmm. going, but Shane's really good at it, really. Um, I know what people get about Jamie Moore and uh, Travis and that obviously having the, the banter camp, Tony Coyle in there with the teacups and stuff like that, the teaspoons. I really don't know, to be honest with me. I, th- I think obviously, you know, his, his peak, his peak you could probably say was running about you know, the Santa Cruz fights. You know, you could say, you know, he's given a lot in both those fights. Um, he's then obviously had the, um, this is the what was it, the fight he got called off against? Gonzalez running about the, the time as well. Uh, Denier, obviously another toughish fight, and then oh, Gutierrez. Warren, yeah, yeah, Gutierrez. Well, I say Gonzalez. Sorry, uh, Warren's obviously again maybe sort of a step too far, and for there on in actually, you know, obviously he said yeah, again we mentioned about the hand problems. He said fights called off. You had the um, you had the Jamel uh, Jamel Horing uh, getting illness and that as well. I don't know if that's why push back his previous fights, but she's then you know put Frampton back. Now, you never forget uh, Frampton and his fighting trainer. He just didn't look healthy in that fighting trainer. I remember he was like one was it like one thirty five, one thirty six. He weighed, looked uh-huh. quite quite soft. Didn't look healthy looking, shall we say? Um, just really a guy who I don't know. I think I say I might say semi retired as such, but it's just just past his prime. Just stayed along uh, around too long. I, I I take it. I just take it for some comments and stuff like that. The reason why you hung about for too long was to try and just get an extra few shekels and stuff like that and into the purse. Which okay, that's that's his program. And I think Carl will have a, a career outside of the ring in that as well. You have commentary jobs and I would imagine that, that as well on the radio or on TV, that type of thing and that. You'll have after dinner speaking once that gets kicking up again and stuff like that. So it'll be short a bob or two, I don't think, Carl. But um as for Jamie and, and, and Travis and stuff, you know, obviously, you know, 
mentally probably got him and Carol in a better frame of mind, shall we say? But still need to see. I, I still need to see. I would like to see them kind of like take a fighter for like the ground up and see how they kind of go for there. Um, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head who they've, who they've still got actually. Who, who they're still training at this point. <sighs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Can't even think. <laughs> they've got um, they've got that young lad Akim Fiaz who's from around that from Oldham somewhere around there who they trained. Um, I'm not sure what Rocky Fielding's doing anymore, but he was in that gym, wasn't he? Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some other people. Conrad Cummings was Con- Conrad Cummings there at one point, I think. He might have been. I'm trying to think who I've seen now. I really can't remember off the top of it. Akin Fiaz is the only name that really sticks in my head at the moment. Um, Chantel yeah. Cameron, somebody see in the chat there. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She might be training there. Yeah, the boys in the chat have thrown in a few here. John Wayne says, Jamie Moore clearly had a lesser athlete than Shane had, I think. That has to be taken into account. That's a fair point. Uh, Johnny Horsecock Nelson says, it feels like Frampton had it too easy with Moore. Plenty of banter, but fighting at the wrong weight. Body looks soft. So, um, varying opinions there. Uh, shout out to Mark Mills. And no doubt in this opinion, he's thrown in a super chat for us. Been listening for years, but never had the chance to listen live. Dreams coming true on this Sunday evening for Mark Mills. Appreciate your work, guys. We appreciate your super chat as well, Mark Mills. If you want to follow him, hit us up with a super chat, everybody. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, Ben, I was just what, what's your favourite Frampton moment? I was we were having a chat about this in the WhatsApp groups and stuff. And obviously, because I was involved early on, it's sort of, it seems like, well, it's the end of an era, really, for me personally. I involved early on with Barry McGuigan and all that and Gavin Reed fights, Yuri Voran in fights. Covered it for many an outlet. Jeremy Parody, Quig, Warrington went over to America. It is the end of an era, really. And what was your favourite Frampton moment, do you think, out of them all, Ben? I mean, for me, in terms of since I've been working in boxing, um, I sort of was heavily involved in it, sort of from when he fought Quig onwards. And, and so for mm. me, but for me, it wasn't even the Quig um, fight. It was um, it was the Santa Cruz. The Santa Cruz fight's the first one, obviously. Um, I am... I, 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 um, I think that's going to be the highlight. Like we said yesterday when we did the live stream, Steve, you know, um, in the, looking at it romantically, we sort of wanted it to, to be, to see that trilogy complete um, and see that third fight between the pair. And, you know, in an ideal world, we, we would have seen that completed, um, you know, preferably back then when they fought and, and not now when um, they're both, you know, ready to, to hang up the gloves. Um, but yeah, for me, it's got, it's got to be Santa Cruz, hasn't it? That was... Um, that was a, a great little set of battles that those two had. Um, other than that, for me, it's going to be, like I say, it's going to be quick because that was just a, a mammoth of a, of a fight, really. It um, really made a, a lot of noise in, in uh, domestically. What about you, Andy? We went over to watch the Quig fight. It wasn't the greatest fight on the night, but what it represented was, was so much more. Um, I'm thinking as well, obviously, the two Santa Cruz fights were fantastic occasions. The first knockout of Kiko Martin as well, possibly overrated. That was around peak Kiko. And Carl was excellent that night. Really outboxed him, broke him down, knocked him out for the European title. Signals his intention. I'm thinking of fights as well against the likes of Mark Kwan, Steve Molitor early on. These fights are forgotten about. And the Chris Avalos fight was fun as well because... I had interviewed Avalos beforehand and his manager, so I had a bit of a personal relationship with them. They were great characters. Avalos came over. You had his mom there giving off at ringside, <laughs> spitting the chewing gum at Frampton during the weigh-in. And the Avalos one was a fun one because the Avalos's were, were a bunch of characters. Yeah. I remember uh, I bumped into Carol for the first time probably just no long after the Gavin Reed fight when he was Celtic champion because he used to come up to Scotland a lot to, to, 
to spar John Simpson. I used uh-huh. to training at that gym a couple of times and that as well. So I used to hang around and watch some of the sparring sessions and stuff. And it was it was, it was very competitive stuff and that. And that's how I first met Carol when, when Tommy had the website and that. We used to have this uh, these interviews called the Prospect Profiles and that. And obviously I, I spoke to Carol. See, it was back in the end days, mate, where you could actually contact Carol directly through either through Facebook or whatever and that. And you'd get his phone number for him you directly. used to put posts on the forums yeah. and stuff. A lot of boxing yep. did, didn't they? Yeah. Yep, and then obviously when they when they gradually got into like the Commonwealth, run about the the fringe world level and stuff like that. I remember um, uh, I seen him on the cat the, the Frotch booty card in doing Nottingham against uh, Royal Harrell. He's actually kind of like dominated and stuff. So really about that time and that he was kind of getting hard to kind of kind of get hold of and stuff. But um, I watched the rematch against Martinez as I've mentioned this before actually in an Irish bar in Spain um, on my birthday actually. Um, remember that one and. Uh, Obviously, the whole crew goes down to Manchester and stuff, as you know, Steve, we came, yeah, we, yeah. We, we did, we did that, the, the best numbers that weekend, actually, for an interview in IFL. Well, we ended up on IFL, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's probably, it's probably the, one of the most watched interviews in the entire weekend, the Quink Frampton weekend, actually. <laughs> uh, ah, it was good times, because I remember, um, we're trying to get in and get an uh, interview, interview, I thought it was Fury and that, and the, the, the security guy's like, nah, you're not getting in here. And uh, there's me and Tommy and that, and Fury's like, nah, let the two in here, let them get a photograph and that. So big, ever since then, I always knew Fury was a sound guy and that. Eh? Um, spoke a few of the guys to come here for uh, the dinner fight. Um, what a state I was in that weekend, by the way. Fuck me, man, what a mess I was in. I remember getting back to my hotel, like something like two in the morning. Uh, woke up and... I was trying to get my phone on charge. I forgot to put the the card back back in the you know in that switch thing, so I didn't have any power. My phone was in, was on charge, but it wasn't getting powered up. Pizza's lying in the fucking flare. Oh, my head was banging. Tony, Tommy's trying to phone me at half seven in the morning. That trying to find out where I am. Lying in my head, spewing vomit and stuff. But um, yeah, that was the last fight I got to actually. No, I was at the Luke Jackson fight. Sorry, I was at the Luke Jackson fight. Um, Which fight was it where I picked? It wasn't you. I picked up Tommy and his old man from the airport. And um, Luke Jackson. Was that the Luke oh, Jackson? Oh, was that Gutierrez fight? Was it the Gutierrez one that was cancelled? Was that the one where Tommy got fucking fired in the gutter to get put back in the hotel? <laughs> that was. I remember that one. That state. But Some I, names gone by over the years, Andy. I was thinking Matt Bowes, Mark McFarlane, yeah. obviously Michael McAway is still on the go here. Shout Brian out to Michael King. He listens in. Brian King, um, Paul Ferguson, yeah. Yeah, they're all, they're all still going. So some of them are still going anyway. But as you say, that you know, you should say to the guys that if they're ever going to Belfast, I'd always say I'm sending my DM and say, listen, you know, you need to take this trip seriously, guy, because you, you, something will die of you over there, and you'll come back a shadow of your former self. And just bit by bit, every time you return home and that, it takes you three three days to recover. I mean, I'll tell you, see after that, that Denier fight, it took me four days to start eating food again. That's what the state I was in. <laughs> <laughs> Four days to start eating solids, man. So that was the state. So that was, aye, so that was the kind of thing that used to, and I never got a chance to go see him uh, abroad and stuff like that. I think it was, um, uh, I was at a night out in Glasgow on the night he fought Santa Cruz the first time, actually. And I've said to the wife, look, what's the meaning to get back to the hotel here for at least three o'clock here so I can watch a fight? Three in the morning, eh? Um, so I was, uh, that was another good one. Um, so I, so there's been some, some good memories and stuff. I think um, the most recent active fighters, what you say, the Josh Taylor, possibly. Um, and music, he's probably the most watched fighter I've seen live actually over over the last yeah over the last five to ten years possibly. It would be Carol Frampton. Yeah, friend of the pod, Kane Clark, who said about Tommy. I was thinking about Tommy actually, Andy. Finally got that. Uh, it wasn't Quig in six, but he, he predicted Frampton to get knocked out in six <laughs> rounds. So he finally got there in the end. I uh, I tell you a story right. Just talking about funniness right. Um, 
as you can, Tommy was like relentless with quigging sick stuff and that, and it really go, it really picked up momentum. It really did because it really it got back to Carol and his wife and that, and. Uh, uh, apparently, uh, Mark McFarlane had arranged for a meet-up. What it was, Josh Taylor was fighting Dave Ryan for the Commonwealth title in Edinburgh. And we, we Carol, was working Channel 5 uh, comms that night and stuff like that. And you could, me and Tommy were standing in the corner, like, literally 10 feet away from him. Tommy's, like, shouting at him. And Carol was there, like, aye, I'll be able to see you shortly, big man. Don't you worry about it. Right? So, like, hours go past, fights finish and stuff. We're hanging about. There's these fucking sea of Carol and that. So, we're walking out the arena and I literally, this fucking door swings open. It was all pre-planned and that, eh? the fucking door swings open. Oh, who walks Carol Frampton like, right, you big cunt, come here, you. Right? So that's where, that's where you end up getting that picture of him and stuff, eh? Tommy with a fag behind his ear and that, and quigging six fingers up and stuff, eh? So, ah, he was, eh, that was a good weekend, that, like. But I'll put it this way, if it was, eh, see if it was a professional hit getting picked in there, actually, Tommy was standing no chance, he was getting picked out of the body bag, man. There was no way he was getting out of that one of life. Well, that's not too far-fetched these days, eh? <laughs> <laughs> You never know. He might get bumped off yet. Yes, if we think of any more stories, or if you guys in the chat have any more stories from these away days, then throw them in and we shall reveal. Just before we move on to the undercard, Ben, uh, Ben Thorns, your namesake, threw in a question earlier. He said, this isn't me being a hipster or any shit like that, Steve. And I like Carl. I was at Quig and cheering him on. But is his career all that? Martinez is a solid win. Quig was always overrated. He lost twice, in my opinion, to Santa Cruz and to Warrington. Granted, I aren't so knowledgeable as the small weights, but the guy he needed to beat was Rigo. And he ducked him as many others did. Like I say, I really like Carl. And it could be my knowledge of small weights, but it flatters to deceive, in my opinion, Ben. Uh, so does his resume. What do you make of that? Uh... I don't think it's an entirely fair assessment. I think he did achieve quite a lot, and uh, he'll definitely be remembered uh, as a sort of one of our better fighters from those from that sort of era. Um, I know certainly when I came when I came into boxing in terms of media, um, he was regarded as probably, if not the best, one of the best you know pound for pound fighters we had by a lot of people who were well respected in the sport. So I, I think he did. You know, he did quite a lot, and those wins. I mean, I thought he beat Santa Cruz, and uh, I think you can't you can't take anything away from 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 that victory. And, and the Quig one, as boring as the fight might have been, uh, and Quig might not have lived up to his potential, I still think it was a, a massive fight um, and one that um, helped launch Carl's career to that to that next step. Um, and that and that obviously led to your your wins over uh, you win over uh, Santa Cruz, etc. Um, so I, I think he, I think he will be remembered as a, as one of the best fighters of, of this generation, um, from these shows. I'm just um, going to mention. Sorry, Ben. No, no, it's going, going, going. On. I was just, I was just going to say, mate. Obviously, I mean, after, after Frank, I mean, you, you were there, Steve. I remember when uh, at the weigh-in, we were literally like ten feet for both guys. They looked like skeletons on the scales, mm. and there's nothing left to give. So I'm looking at the, the, the rankings running about this time and stuff. So obviously, like um, after Quig, he went straight up in weight anyway. Carol and fought Santa Cruz. Look, Santa Cruz did the same thing as what other people were mentioning about Carol Frampton and Scott Quigg and stuff like that, but not taking the league on with the fight. At least, at least Santa Cruz came out and placed himself out the fight. At least and said I wanted four million dollars to fight him or something crazy. I'm just going to read you the top uh, the, the top names at that time and stuff, especially in 2015. So you had Rigo as a champion, so to speak. Quigg, Frampton, Denier, Genesis Cervanie and Shingo Wake, who I think, maybe did Scott Quignall fight him, I think? Yeah, he did, yeah. And then, as I say, it's 2016, which was the year they fought and that, then they went wait afterwards and stuff. So, really, for the fight to really have happened, I think you're talking around about 20... between Something between 2012 and 2015 is probably around about the time 
that fight should have been happening between these guys and stuff. But at the same time, Santa Cruz, Quig could have fought him. You know, had Galahad run about the same same weight run about that time as well. Martinez obviously was kicking about as well. Just Rigo was in that club, man. Who needed him? Who needed him? Because at the end of the day, you didn't get a payday, and you were you were you were basically guaranteed a defeat. So it's a lose lose situation for most fighters. Yeah. That that and the other thing is as well, when we say Kyle ducked him, like we always say fighters duck people. But I tell you something, like like before I worked in media, I worked with Amir Khan for a lot, and um, I remember how many times they tried to make the Garcia rematch. You know, it's at least five times, and it wasn't Danny who didn't want it. Danny would have happily taken it. More likely, the, the person pushing back was Angel and some of the other management behind Danny. And, and you've got to remember, when a fight gets made, it's not always the fighter. The vast majority of the times, it's not the fighter. It's promoters, it's TV, it's, you know, management. You know, there's, there's so many stumbling blocks when you get involved in a fight negotiation. Um, and a lot of the time, it's not the fighter. I'm not saying Carl wanted that fight or Carl thought that was a great fight for him. But what I'm saying is um, we don't know you know, with 100% certainty that he definitively didn't want to take a specific fight in his career. Um, so um, I don't like to, to always throw that around as, you know, the guy's ducked him. Um, uh, yeah. And I think as well, Ben, you've got to take things into context as well, around the time. It's easy look, looking back now with sort of rose-tinted spectacles, but then you look at who's doing what at the time. The Quig fight was massive. I know Quig didn't turn out to be what a lot of people thought, but that was a huge fight. There was so much riding on that unification, big pay-per-view. Same with Martinez fighting in front of 20-odd thousand people on the Titanic slipways, going over to America. Well, it's all the, the context is the main thing in boxing for me. And you can't just look at it back at names on, on a page, as we sometimes do with BoxRec. You've got to take into account everything that's going on at the time. And it's hard to pick apart Carl's resume when you when you think back to all the things that were going on, Ben. Oh, 100%. When you, when you factor in the politics of boxing, when you look back, it's so hard to remember all the variables at play, who was who's mandatory, what was going on with the WBO or the IVF, and what was going on in that promotional stable or this promotional stable, um, TV, you know, things... They often, TV people often block fights. I remember uh, from like when Amir was choosing opponents before when he came back, there was, there was stumbling blocks for potential opponents because TV didn't like them or, you know, it happens all the time. Um, so, um, so yeah, it, it's, it's hard to judge when you're looking back and you're like, oh, I wish this fight would have happened. Or he ducked this guy. We should, he should have fought that guy at that time. So many variables at play every time you try and make a fight. Dominic's joined us on this Sunday evening. I better add him to the stream if he is indeed to participate. How are you, Dominic? Keeping well? Yeah, I'm keeping well, Steve. Um, obviously, disappointed for Carl. Have you spoken yourself about what you think about it? Or yeah, we've we've had our two pence worth. Um, just been going back over his career. I, I thought Herring was very big. I thought Herring was excellent. He got the judgment of distance right to the range. He's clearly an improved fighter, and it's just one step too far for Carl, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean the um, funny. I was just thinking. Um, uh, I was just thinking. Um, um, Andy last week he got it right on the prediction. He, he was talking about the um Harine's left uppercut through the middle and that was the um that was the punch that uh, you know that was a right that was a sickening knockdown but um the, the writing was on the wall from the first uh two rounds, you know, and the clinches on the inside, um Harine was really having his way with Carl and that was always the thing. I mean, for Carl to have any um any success, you know. Um, he needed to be 
really up close to the guy, but people overlooked the fact that even when Carl was in his in his pump, you know, being up close on the inside was never Carl's game. He was always at his best, um, working at a distance, um, you know, counter punching, and he was always best when someone was bringing the fight to him. Um, apart obviously from the Warrington fight, where he he was just um. He was just overwhelmed and uh, um, probably on, didn't expect Oynton to come out the way he did. But um, I've always maintained, Steve, I'm not being um, uh, what Steve Bunce would call an aftertimer, but um, <laughs> I've always uh, thought I've always thought that Carl should have retired after the Oynton fight. Um, and you know, Carl said um, after the Oynton fight, the reason he carried on was because he didn't think that was him in there that night. But... Um, and that he could win another world title. But to my mind, that would have been a good way to go out because it was a full house at the Manchester Arena and it was a, a great fight. And he went out that night. He didn't. He wasn't trying to survive. Like he, in part he was, but he was fighting his heart out that night until for the 12 rounds. And, um, you know, I thought that would have been... I, he had no business being up at super featherweight. Um, you know, even at... Um, after the, the, the first Santa Cruz fight, he, he sort of lost the ability to really hurt people um, with his punches. Um, and I, I think, you know, there's there's all these sorts of questions about, you know, um, the sort of what his career was like before he left McGuigan's and after he left the McGuigan's. Um, mm. And I think that's sort of, it's very hard to um, assess, you know, what Carl's career would have been like with Shane McGuigan still in the corner because all fighters in these lower weight divisions, once they hit the age of about 30, um, it tends to be downhill, um, even for the greats, even for the Moraleses and the Barreras, you know, it's very, you know, people like Manny Pacquiao are, are sort of freaks of nature. Um, so, yeah, he, he the, um, the, the cut sort of gave Carl um, a glimmer of hope, but I was just thinking about it today. It probably actually accelerated the end of the fight because um, Harine realised that he had to probably close the show as quick as he could. A sense of uh, urgency, yeah. Yeah, maybe similar to what happened when um, I think was it when he got cut against Macronelli. Um, he finished it very quickly, and, um, and I don't remember that instance. But um, yeah, I mean, I think one thing that I really um, was thinking a lot about today was in the interview that Carl gave in the ring, he mentioned about how boxing had been both good and bad to him. And he said later, well, we all know what that means. And I, I, I sort of was reconsidering just how, I think that really cuts him more than I had really first appreciated. You know, I think it really, um, I, I think he probably finds it hard to understand because um, I, I don't blame him, but he placed his trust completely in the McGuigans, and I think he finds it very difficult to um, understand it and rationalise it. And um, you know, it's a it's a very difficult thing for him to um, to process. I think mentally, um, and it's um, you know, there, there's just stuff about you know the people slag off the the Jamie Moore camp that they're all jokers and they're all putting hot teaspoons in the back of each other's necks and debagging everyone and that, that it's that it's not serious enough. But um I mean it's 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 hard to know, you know, it's um boxing is a brutal sport and um 
you know, it's it's difficult. They don't know. What do you think? I think? I think sometimes, Dominic, it's maybe a case of if everybody's winning in the camp and they're all messing about, it's like the best thing ever. It's light relief. It's comedy value. If everybody's losing in the camp and they're doing it, it's all they're messing about. They're unprofessional. So you can put your, your judgment on onto it in whatever lens you want. Yeah. I, I mean, if, uh, looking back over his career, you, what you just were talking about when he came on there, um, I, I suppose... You know, Ireland, Northern Ireland, Southern Ireland will produce fight, a lot of fighters, but probably don't produce that many world class fighters. And Carl was definitely that. You know, he was, you know, we don't produce many that are that sort of um, level. And um, I mean, some of the, I was at his last great performance was at the Nerf fight, and I was there that night. Um, and, you know, that was the other way around. He had the size advantage and, he still had the, the bit of spring in his legs to get out of the way of punches, but you could see from very early on last night, he didn't have the, um, uh, he wasn't able to get out of, uh, use that back, quick back step. They could, that was his trademark when he was at his best. You know, he could get out of range very easily. And um, yeah, it's, um, I'm just trying to remember other things I was looking to say, but um, it doesn't come to mind at the minute. What about we were talking there, Dominic, about Herring, which has improved as a fighter, being around Crawford, new training setup. He really has come on. Yeah, he has, and I think that's um, you know I think that's always the danger that you overlook the, the actual winner of the fight, and that that shouldn't be lost. You know, he really um, he's very disciplined. He he's, he holds his his form and his his composure very well, and. Um, you know, he picks the shot. His you know composure after the cut, um, and he, he uh, you know, he, he, I hope he gets big paydays before he um finishes himself. You know, he, whether that's up at lightweight or whether it's fighting maybe Valdez. Um, I don't know whether I would like to see him in a Stevenson fight. You sort of get the sense that the Stevenson fight's gonna be set up for something like a a sort of stepping stone for Stevenson to yeah, sort of introduce yeah. Stevenson to the to the upper ranks of it, but um. He was just he he was surprisingly good on the inside. Um, but as again, as I said, Steve, you know, being on the inside was never Carl's game, even when he was at his best. Um, his his best work was never really on the inside. I mean, the Avalos fight, he was good on the inside, but um, really his best work was at distance, controlling distance, um, and counter punching, um, and uh, and that sort of thing. So it's um. Yeah, it's Harine. Uh, I don't think, uh, and that was obviously, it was sort of a bit, uh, Carl was embarrassed, the fact that the MC was interviewing him first instead of Harine. Um, you could see he was a bit embarrassed by that. He was but, getting um, emotional too, Carl, wasn't he? So he's kind of like, you know, can we just finish up now? Yeah, he, 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 it's very, um, I suppose, look, it's well known, you know, people said he, he really misses, um, you know, his, his family and it's not something I can empathise with. Maybe Andy and yourself, Steve, can more than me. But um, what that must be like. Some, for, some days, maybe not others. Go for a last year. It's no way to put it that Through homeschooling, I, I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, I think it's. Um, it's. It's going to. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll obviously at some stage he'll bring out a book and he'll he'll um, he'll just he, like he won't be able to discuss. Um, he won't be able to discuss the finer details of the things that everyone wants to know about, but the general gist is known to enough people. And I think, you know, as well, you will see people, I saw some of the Irish journalists saying that the MTK thing can't just be disregarded as a sort of footnote. Um, 
But I've been thinking about this a lot, Steve, and I, I forgot to mention it the last few times it was on. But mm. um, you know, there's a lot of talk about you know the sort of uselessness of the British border control, and you know, could the could they do something to sort of justify their existence? And one of the things I thought was that you hear Carl saying that he he, he signed the contract with Barry, the management contract in two thousand and nine, and there wasn't really in hindsight a lot of due diligence done. But the real damage was the contract that he signed when he left Matchroom and after the first kickoff fight and Carl and Barry went on their own um, and did their own show. Now, that, the problem was the that contract that he signed. Um, and I was thinking of, for the surely it would be a good idea. I might know what other guys think about this, but if, if for young fighters turning pro who maybe have left school without much formal education who don't understand maybe what how you know these contracts can be binding themselves for a long time to give fighters some sort of legal advice or that the board would have a sort of standing um a lawyer that 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 could parse these contracts before fighters um young fighters sign them without really knowing what they're getting themselves into like some kind Um, of independent arbiter like to do due diligence on it you mean yeah, whenever a fighter's signing a contract, you know, that, that, that there could be some, um, you know, way that a, a fighter's interests are being, um, you know, looked after and that they're not signing something that, that is going to render them a, a, a slave, um, you know, like, you know, like, so it, it's... Um, well, let's uh, see what the boys have to say then. Uh, hang on a minute, Dominic, because Ben Fruke, you may be jumping in. Yeah, um... I think it's a good idea, but the only issue is like the board exists because of the promoters, really. And so, even then, you could argue that there's a conflict of interest between them, especially the way things go at the moment. If the, uh, say, you want to call them business advisors, whatever, if they were completely independent of the board, um, then I think it'd be a brilliant idea because I've, I've helped so many fighters just like to, you know, what should I do? How should I do this? you know, um, over the years. And um, you're right, there's a lot of them who have no idea of the business aspects of things. Um, the vast majority of people don't know what it takes to, to run a business. And when you're a fighter, you're, you're essentially just a self-employed person running your own company until you, you know, jump in with one of the, the bigger bodies. And even then, to a degree, you are. So, um, so yeah, I think it'd be a fantastic idea, but I think it would be, have to be completely independent of the board to avoid any chance of um you know a conflict um of interest there for for, for the advisors um and, and for the board okay uh dominic stay with us for as long as you wish let's go on to the undercard then shall we andy it was streamed on ifl apart from donny nietas which i didn't read i wasn't really paying attention to that and i don't think you watch much of it either Keyshawn davis knocking out richmond ashley ashley yeah. bought the heat in the uh, way in, but uh, Davis got the job done. They seem very impressed with Davis. I think he looked pretty good, but I'd like to see a little bit more before a rush to any major conclusions. Didn't blow me away. Only you know the way sometimes you have a feeling about a fighter, you see them for the first time, you think, "Wow, he's got the X factor." Didn't quite get that from Davis, but like I said, it's only his second pro fight, man. I mean, it's very yeah. early days. Uh, what do you think? I thought he showed exactly what he showed in his first fight. Actually, which was again patience. You mm. know, he could have easily went in there and just, as you say, try and you know, obviously because of a bit of verbal, was like, okay, I'm going to put him in his place. 
never really did that. I just kind of came in, chipped away at him, kind of worked on a few things, I think, and stuff. But I, I think that's going to be his MO, actually. I think he's not going to be one of these guys coming in here, destroyer type. He's going to be picking away at you, look at you, and just the kind of, you know, sweet weaknesses you've got in the end of the day and maybe just break you down and stuff like that. So I don't think we're going to be expecting that for him and that. Um, again, you know, what is he? He's only, what, early 20s and stuff at this point? Um, 22, I think, something like that, 21. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he was, he was hanging around in the amateurs until uh, the Olympics, and obviously they keep getting delayed and stuff, so he's uh, he's turned over and that. But, um, yeah, I think I think he'll be, I think he'll, he'll do good. But, um, again, just uh, gradually bringing up through the ranks. Now, I didn't want to hear Eddie talking about, oh, he's the next Floyd Mayweather, like he's done with Devin Haney and all that sort of stuff, because he, he just kept people's backs up with that talk and that. Just let the guy do what he's doing. Just do what he did yesterday. Just kind of let him work away on under cards. Got a few rounds under his belt. Just guys to get him tougher opposition and stuff, and just kind of like take up to there. Um, what else did I catch that on that undercard? Um, it was a knockout, wasn't there in the first yeah, round to to um, some boy Kolakmith. Ron Dons, the Venezuelan yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. That was that was pretty much it. I think. Um, didn't see him yet. Some people were were saying um, he looked awful. Um, according to Twitter, at least, and that I've I've not seen it yet to be honest with you, but. This this guy's like almost ranked pound for pound and stuff like that. So he still go as he must be like mid mid to late thirties now. So um, thirty eight, yeah, yeah, thirty eight, yeah. Just yeah. wondering, you know, how long he's going to keep keep going for on that as well. But uh, well, Andy, I hope a rematch. I just interrupt Andy. I was going to say that was for a WBO trinket of some sort, international title. So me and Steve were talking about yesterday, saying that they try to position him for something. Maybe Ioka rematch. I think he's kind of maybe got weight. I think he's won a new way fighting that as well. Ioka potentially. So that's another weight hop for him, though. But yeah, I mean, it was kind of weird actually because um, that, that, that uh, IFL broadcast cut off, you know, basically. It was a. That's, you know what reminded me a wee bit like, that, that promotion last night? It reminded me of Peak Cyclone Promotions cars. Remember that one, Ben? Uh-huh. And when Josh Taylor fought a. Victor Possible. Ford. Yeah. Oh. Longest night of my fucking life between fights and stuff like that, man. I was begging you. I was I was offering my services to you for free. It worked for you, by the way, that night. Just to give me something today, man. I was sitting there all night like, what, what is this fucking fight happening? I'm, I'm, I'm driving, so I've got Tommy in the car with me. Can you imagine that? Tommy in the car after sitting there sober for five fucking hours. Tommy's going to be gassed. Honestly, that was a long... That's what that was like last night. These, these intermissions between fights. And then you didn't get to see the fucking, you know, the, you know, the chief support. I'm like fuck. Yeah. It was frustrating. I was uh, I was a bit annoyed at the way it went down with uh, the Channel Five thing yesterday. It was a bit. It was really. It was. It was more bizarre than any fight card I've ever been to. Really, like that I can remember. It was. It was insane. And that postal night was long, but I was running around because I was doing behind the scenes stuff then, and it was just I was going up and down, back and forth all night then. So I don't even remember it being as bad as you probably do having to sit down and wait. <laughs> Just thank fuck there was a table in front of me so I could put my head on it for like half an hour and stuff like have a wee sleep, you know. <laughs> oh, t- talking of the longest nights, so the longest one I ever was ever at, it was the same night as the first Hey Bellew fight, so I was already missing that, which was pissing me off. It was in the short social club in Belfast, and there was like three, four rounders on, and they dragged the night out. About three, four rounders, they dragged the night out to about six hours, man. At one point, oh. we were killing time that badly that they put a bottle of vodka in the middle of the ring, and they were getting everybody to roll pound coins towards it, and the person who got the pound coin closest to the bottle of vodka won it <laughs> and you had well, Alec, ba- Alec Baza Belfast journeyman going around trying to see who was rolling the pound coins in I had to reassess my boxing career at that point <laughs> so then you got that award by the way no that was a different night I was about to say because it would be cold the night that night they're trying to give you that night the award eh? but I, I 
I feel bad for all of you guys, but I don't know if you remember the episode where I regaled the story of the same Tommy that Andy was talking about urinating in my bed in Las Vegas while I, while I took a shower and he took what ended up being a four-hour nap before we went back to the MGM and I left and I missed him talking shit to Sweet Pea and Zab Judah. But if Tommy has not pissed in your bed, your worst boxing event is probably not worse than mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've actually shared a room with him for at least three times on boxing trips, by the way. So, um, yeah, it's quite interesting, shall we say. He, he annoys the fucking life out of his dad, something awful. Like, I, I, I remember coming back from Manchester against for the quick fight and that, and he was almost boxing his dad in the security line at the airport. Honestly, because he wouldn't give his pass. His dad wouldn't give him the passport, right? So he dad through the passport, pass, uh, past the, the, the passport security line and stuff like that. So he didn't get the cops to go and hand it back to him. <laughs> Tommy was fucking fuming. Thank you. Uh... <laughs> oh, dear. Right. cops to go out with the, machine, the MP5 machine guns in that day. Fucking hell. How is, 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 uh, is uh, Tommy's old man about his size? No, no, man. no, he's, no, he's man. tiny compared to Tommy. Oh, Tommy. that poor bastard. <laughs> Tommy's a big guy. Anyway, Matty's joined us on the call. Good evening, Matty. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. No one no one pissed in my bed, so I'll call it a win. Well, not yet. When you get back to bed later on, who knows? What about Herring against Frampton? Then that's what we're talking about at the moment. How did you see it? Oh, man, that was uh, it was a solid fight. Um, I'm glad I threw uh, Herring into a, a handful of parlays. But I did want to tell you guys about this. I thought you'd uh, find this inter interesting enough. Um, if you remember, I placed a bet on the Virgil Ortiz fight for him to win in KO uh, rounds one through six. He uh, he knocked uh, Hooker out in the seventh. I put a bet on uh, Herring to win by KO in seven through 12 this last time. <laughs> and he knocked him out in the sixth. So um, I uh, next time I'm going to be betting two different sets, four through six and seven through nine, and I will be here to tell you guys about the tenth round knockout that pissed me off. <laughs> but, what about the fight itself? Then Herring did a great and, job. We were saying Herring was exceptional, man. That was the best performance we could have expected out of him. He boxed well. He fought when he had to fight. He uh, he showed that he was the better man. And the tough thing about it, though, guys, is we don't know what's left of Frampton after this amount of inactivity and this weight class, et cetera, et cetera. So it's hard to rate this fight going into whatever might be ahead for Jamel Herring. I actually like him pretty well in a Valdez fight. I think uh, Valdez uh, you know, took advantage of a very, very drained Burchelt and still took a lot of rounds to take him out. But I'll tell you what, man, as much as I like Herring and uh, I love his work ethic, uh, you know, you, you can never doubt a Marine. Uh, there's some badass sons of bitches. Um, but I and of that loaded 135-pound division, man, I don't know where he fits in. Well, we shall see. Maybe Shakur Stevenson. Um, they would like to get the Shakur Stevenson against Herring fight, possibly Matty, because Shakur could pick up that title, pick up that goodwill that uh, the Marine Herring is carrying around with him and probably and piss it all away. <laughs> it, sounds like they're, it sounds like they're pushing for the Valdez fight, and Herring even mentioned that one in the ring. Um, mm. I, don't, I don't know that Stevenson happens before Herring moves up. I, I think his last fight at 130 will probably end up being Valdez. Um, that at least that's the feel you got from what he was saying in, in his promoters. It seems like they're trying to set that up. Um, so, uh, yeah. And my, my hunch on that one is, is, is Herring, but I don't know if he gets the decision because he doesn't quite have the upside that Valdez might have. Um, and if he goes to 135, those are some tough fights, man. Those are some really, really tough fights. Um, 
So yeah, he's he's kind of he's a champion with really no good place to go other than that Valdez fight. So. Yep, looking forward to seeing how it transpires. As our absent friend Ozzy would say, it will be interesting to see. Episode 417, Boxing Sodom Nutters podcast. You're hearing Matty with us, Dominic, Ben Faruqi, Andy Patterson and me, Steve Wellings. Just briefly on that undercard then, Ben, Shane, we didn't get to see Torian McKenna. Obviously, his fight was scrapped when Turov seemed to have some extensive weight issues. And justice for Suraj. Uh, Gutted old Suraj couldn't get the win against Al Blushi, Ben. (laughs) Yeah, Suraj. Your uh, your new favourite fighter. Uh, he, he he unfortunately couldn't get past uh, Belushi, but um, <laughs> you know what? I, you know what I was wanting to say about this. Like I was watching that live, obviously on IFL, and there was a lot of uh, comments on the quality of the fight and the opponent, and a lot of racism, as you can expect. Uh, but um, but but what I thought was positive is that you've got two guys. I mean, all right, one of them was Indian, but you've got uh, excuse the wind. Uh, you've got um, an Arab fighter over there. Um, actually trying to apply his trade and grow in a place where um, boxing um, doesn't really exist too much. And, and there are quite a few fighters trying to push through. Um, so I thought that's, that's the real positive to take from that whole thing. We need to see more of those guys because it's one of the only areas in the world where boxing, um, there's a lot of people who want to do it and it thrives, but the investment hasn't been put past an amateur level. So in the next few years, I think that's going to completely change. You know, um, obviously, we know what Amir is doing the WBC Middle East stuff, and there'll be obviously a lot of talk that Fury Joshua, if, if it takes place, um, is likely to be out there um, for at least um, probably the first uh, first contest. Um, so it, I thought that was the real positive of it. Uh, you know, obviously, Blue if he came over here, he'd be he'd be um, sort of out of his depth at, at most levels. But um, but we need to see um, more of those things and, and growth of the sport like that because just like it helps kids on the streets here um, get out of all sorts of situations where there be domestic abuse, uh, you know, bad behaviour, it gives them discipline and stuff. It'll do the same thing over there and it'll help in, in an area, a lot of areas that have just been war-torn for years. So I think growing boxing there can only be a, a really positive thing. Well said, Ben. Uh, let's go back to Wednesday evening or Wednesday morning, whenever it took place, Andy, depending on where in the world you were. No sign of Father Dave, unfortunately. But over in Australia, Tim Sue knocking out Dennis Hogan in round five. I said, was it at round eight or nine? So it wasn't far off. Hogan's a tough old nut, but Sue, I know I'm only on the bandwagon because he looks and fights like his dad. And I was a big, massive fan of his dad. But he's got plenty of substance, Sue, especially to the body. He was winging away. Thought he dealt with the cup very well. Is he progressing nicely enough for your liking? Yeah, I think so, mate. He's ready for a step up, I think, at any, at any point. I just think because of the situation with, with COVID and that, I don't know, maybe that's, you know, affecting trying to get fights or whatever. And that. I mean, certainly, I, th- I think um, I'm, I'd be right in saying that he's cleared up domestically as such, you know, Australia, New Zealand, Oceania, whatever you want to call it, boxing, about that reason. I, I want to see him step up to kind of world title level now. Um, he's, he's ready. I think he's ready, at least. Um, but at this point... Uh, I like to see him. I like to see the Castano fight get made next. Liam Smith, obviously he's got the fight coming up in Russia shortly as well against Kubanov. There, there is there is good fights at 154 for him and stuff. It's just trying to get him the right the right opponent at this point. If it's going to be a title fight again, I mentioned before, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Castano end up fighting Charlo actually uh, because of the PBC tie-in and stuff. But um, again, probably need to wait and see on, on the WBO kind of like or, you know what they're going to do if they're going to actually order the fight etc. But um, all in all, again, 
impressive, brought the guy down, body shots. It was just really in the end. You know, Hogan just he was just taking a trimming and then eventually he just began he began to break down and stuff and again the the left hooks the body and then obviously started slipping it upstairs and stuff. So really all round he he done what he was expected to do and that was look good. Uh, got the got the stoppage and uh, we move on. Um, as I say, good good display. I I, I think maybe early rounds he might have been slightly uh, over eager. Yeah, he was um, yeah. because of the huge some of the huge shots. I mean, he was, he was showing home rain, uh, home run shots and stuff. He was missing quite a few of them. The the, the early the early going, and he started getting the range. And then the, as I say, the left hands were, were were pretty brutal, just murdering the body. As I say, so um, there's not really much else I can add to it, mate. That he's rolling on, doesn't he's just doing the business and stuff. If 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 he is at a level what you think he is, then he handles these guys, and and that's what he's doing. He's handling them, he's beating them up, he's destroying them. So I think really it's just going to be the at this point it's going to be the top end guys. You now I think are going to be start asking him questions. Charlo, maybe Lara. I think Lara stars enough about him probably to ask questions. Certainly with the movement, I'll let you see how how you, how you deal with a fighter actually with, with a wee bit of lateral movement. See how uh, Zoo would approach it and stuff because obviously we need to try and cut off the ring better than that as well. If he was fighting Alex here or Lara, Charlo maybe different with the power. Um, so if you kind of get a Castano fight, what about an Erickson Lubin for example? Uh, or a Tony Harris, and I think those two guys would be the type of kind of opponents. Well, I think, Andy, Tony Harrison is supposed to be fighting Bryant Perella, and I'd be That's very right, surprised right. to see him fighting Lubin, because Lubin's in pole position for the WBC. They're not going to give that up, are they, the PBC? They'll be looking a title shot not to yeah. fight against the likes of Sue, who doesn't hold anything at the moment. Suppose he's got that number one ranking. Charlo, I'm sure that Charlo's beat Lubin before. They iced him in one round or something like that, do they not? But then again, yeah. it's a title fight as well, I suppose. Um... Well, what about Williams or Rosario, for example? I mean, these are ex-champions. They're, they're no bad. Um, you know, Hogan was ranked ten with some organisations and that. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know about Hard, for example. I mean, I know Hard's at one fifty-four now, but for how much longer is it? can he still make that weight? I don't know. Um, Leharaga, I think he, he would he would get iced. Um, Fowler would get decimated. Fitzgerald is, is pointless. Um, the German kid, uh, Baroro, would be pointless at this point. Kalkai, uh, Texera would get destroyed. So I think we're kind of looking at like some like Madrimov, for example. There, there's a good good segue in the Uzbek card, mm. for example. You know, he'd, um, he was kind of forced to go a distance there yesterday as well. So that'd be a good fight to get made. But these guys are going different routes at this point. So yeah, that's the thing, isn't it's, it? It's a fight for the future. Soro, Michelle Soro. I was just going to say, Soro was meant to fight. Oh. Uh, Lara wasn't it? But Lara, I'm sure I read somewhere Lara's going up in up in weight because he had the IBO belt, didn't he, for ages? And I'm sure he's gone up. I may, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm dreaming it, but I'm sure I read that. Soro would be a good fight. The only guy he hasn't fought domestically is Zarafa. But obviously he'll beat Zarafa. But just that is one guy he hasn't fought. But I think he sort of gave a reasoning why he wasn't gonna, you know, he sort of put Zarafa down. But I think Zarafa's done well, and he was when Jeff Hort beat Jeff Horn beat him in the second fight. I think it was more. Um, you know, Jeff Horn just sort of, um, I think he got sort of lucky. I'm sure Zarafa was dominating the fight in the second one as well because he won the first one. But anyway, um, the, I think the mo most likely route for him is um, the winner of Smith versus Kurbanov, which will probably be Liam Smith. And then that would be an eliminator for Castaño, Castaño's belt. That seems to me to be the logical route for, 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 for them to take now with that. I the easiest it. path to glory. All roads lead to Father Dave. Uh, I was going. To, I was going to ask a question. I see. I seen someone mention in the chat there that he's no that Zoo's no tied up with an American. Pro I thought he was tied, but put top rank or did I just dream that? Nah, up? I don't think he is actually. 
Well, you would think someone new would be kind of like you know, off the back of that. Well, he's 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 on the top of you yeah. Know, you know, you know what I'm saying. But then maybe maybe it's him. Maybe he's not wanting to get tied up with top rank because that then takes out the the equation, the PBC fighters, and it says that division is on lockdown by PBC fighters. Let's just say Lubin, Charlo, Harrison, Hurd. Um, guys of that, Lara and all that, they, they're all PBC fighters, so mm. is there really much point in him tying up with, with top rank or, or even Golden Boy to, to that extent and maybe miss out on those fights? Just remain a promotional free agent and just go go it yourself, Matt. I mean, just and then wait for the mandatory position to come up and then take a chance when it comes. Nah, we need to go full on circus here, Andy. The one man he hasn't fought to become a legend, he has to beat the legend. You need to get Chock out of retirement all and right. boil him down to 154. I'll tell you what, mate. Chop doesn't even last 20 seconds with Tim Zhu. Tim Zhu lands a jab on him and he fucking folds. <laughs> He's washed. He's, He's got a nice washed. set of new teeth, though, Chop. Did you see that? He has, actually. I see that. He's had plenty of people used to pay for him, I suppose. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Matty, it feels to me like Sue is probably due that one last fight, uh, maybe against the likes of a Liam Smith or a, a, an Inoue I'm seeing in the rankings here, Brandon Adams, Sergio Garcia, somebody like that, just to cement his position. But he'll be looking upwards, not downwards. He's the number one for the WBO. Brian Castagna is the, la- the, the la- next uh, natural step. So if you could get Sue against Liam Smith, winner fights Castagna, that sounds okay to me. Anything which ends up with Tim Zhu getting a title opportunity is the right way to go. Um, it, it seems like there's still going to be a little bit holding us back with the pandemic and things like that. So what kind of timeline it's on, especially with Australia, I don't know. Uh, but I'm, when this guy gets his chance, he's going to take it. I, I really I, I struggle to see people at 154 handling him. Um, there's a lot of second-generation fighters who are huge, huge letdowns. But Tim Zhu just keeps impressing me more and more. And uh, that timeline you laid out is fine. Um, I, I thought Brandon Adams was a good shout, actually. To, uh, you know, our, uh, our friend Ames uh, mentioned him in the chat. I thought that was a good shout. Um, but whoever it is, I just I, I I don't think it matters. He's gonna take he, Tim Zhu's gonna take him out. This this kid is real. I I don't know if he's gonna end up being superstar status or anything like that. But I I don't think uh, I I don't think that he is going to be away from the top tier of the game for at least a decade. He is very much his father's son. What do you what do you think then? I mean, obviously, as I understand that you know Australia and New Zealand are basically. You know, their thing with COVID is it's pretty much nothing there, right? Because they, they've got fans back in stadium and stuff at like the football and stuff. If the fans at Tim Zoo fights, it's like 18,000, I believe, at one of his fights not long ago and stuff. So, does, what, what do you do? do? Do you stay in Australia, right? Knowing you can generate all that money, right? And, 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 and pull in a gate. And, you know, and then you send your opponent, well, listen, if you're coming in for, coming for out with Australia, you would need to then quarantine for 10, 10 days, two weeks, whatever it is, before you even get out. Well, so I, is it best for him to stay there or does he then decide, well, listen, for the better of my career, I need to move to America now? But then America's not, you know, is that fully open for business like, in regards to fans and stuff like that? I don't know if it is, but it, what does he it, do? He's kind it, of stuck, as you know. Well, and each state is different as far as what's going on in the U.S. Oh, Jesus Christ, Chuck was a mental case. Um, anyhow, um, but... Uh, I think what if they're really looking at a meaningful fight for him and thinking that, you know, like as far as selling tickets, it seems like he is definitely already a draw in Australia. That could be where the money is. I think they might need to be like trying to lay enough money um, on the table for a fighter to actually go ahead and say they're going to take 10 weeks of their life 
and their crew and they're going to go to Australia. Like they really have to make it a healthy sum. But in this state, unless something changes right now, I'm thinking they're anyone that really wants to fight in Oz against an Australian fighter, they're going to have to head there um, for the full, for the full camp. I think that is the only rational way to go about preparing for, for a fight in Australia right now. Okay. Let's just move on to the Uzbekistani card. Then I got caught out by this one. I saw eight and nine o'clock and I thought it was our time and it turned out to be a different time. And it was <laughs> five o'clock and I, I managed to get the download afterwards. I'll give my two pence worth on a few of the fights, Andy, then you can jump in with whatever you thought. Akhmedaliev, for a guy who's under 10 fights, I think he's very good. Good head movement, nice jab. Iwasa did all he could. The writing was on the wall, but the referee did stop it too early. They could have let him take a bit more of a beating uh, than that. Uh, Madrimov, I'm not really impressed with him. He can clearly punch and he's going to be a problem because he's fit and strong, but technically, I think the better fighters will do, run a, a rings around him, like say if he went in against Lara or something. I mean, my man, the general, Emini Colombo, can't believe he only won a couple of rounds. He had a good, he had a good job, actually, but he just didn't use it enough. Good left hook to the body. He looked like he could be a problem with a bit of confidence, and if he got out of that sparring partner mentality. Anyway, uh, Giasov against Moreno, it wasn't really a contest. Giasov looks like one. he could be one of the, the best of the bunch for me. Uh, Dozmatov was in against absolutely nothing. Jalalov, again, against a you know, fat guy, Zutis, he got rid of him. He's a big old unit for six, uh, six foot seven, can move quite well, Jalalov. And as for the final one that I watched, the debutant, Mirazizbek Mirzakalilov, try saying that after a few, made his debut against Tasha Mujuwaji. He was absolutely shocking. I don't know where they, they must have dug him up from Chukwu's morgue or something, that guy. What was the, the best of the action for you, Andy? Um, well, to be honest, but I've got to call as it is. I mean, it was it was basically a kind of coming out card for the for, for these young guys. Now, obviously, it's the first time they've, they've been pro in their home country and stuff, so it was a big deal for them. But it was basically a headliner for these guys and stuff. And... I was a wee bit uh, disappointed in uh, Awasha getting stopped in the one or what he did. And I know he was taking shots unanswered. He hasn't thrown back. But his, his focus was on, on Akhmedali all the time. He was trying to sway some shots and stuff. And I agree with you. I think the, the referee could have allowed that to kind of go on maybe another minute mm. longer and stuff. Uh, Awasha's... These Japanese guys are good at their shield all the time and stuff. But Akhmedali, he's um, yeah, well, it's a unified champ within, what was it, six fights and stuff. You know, very, very good fighter. Uh, and I, I, I love his nickname as well. Um, the thing about Madrimov and the Colombo, I, I don't know if it was purely based on reputation that that Colombo guy because um, or what do you pr- pronounce his name? You know how bad these names and stuff, but Detective you know, Colombo. I, I had uh, Nick Holland come up with a great comment and stuff. He says the general's getting outranked in this fight, which was pretty much true. But I tell you what, I, I was asking you guys that like, who's his trainer because I see enough raw ability about that guy to say that he yeah. could be a, he could be a problem. I agree. It could be a serious problem for any up-and-comer, and dare I say it, at a certain title level, I think that guy could be a serious problem if he would just let his hands go more. Seems to lack confidence, Andy. Yeah. See if he stepped in with that jab and that left hook, I think he, I think you're right. He's fucking massive as well, man. He's 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 he's, he's like he's he's ripped as well. Long guy. I, I was I was going to actually go and try and pull out that that Antwi fight that he knocked him out in two rounds and that because I know Antwi was was massive against um that was Darren. What was his name? Was it Darren Telly? Yes, Tetley, yeah. Aye, that done Tetley. So I was, I was wanting to try and measure them up and stuff like that because I did think that, you know, Madrimov was, was having to kind of duck me up, move to the side, you know, move use his feet for time to time and try and then, then, then like work angles and stuff because that Colombo guy was just massive just coming coming forward at times. You could take, his, you could take a punishment. You, you could take his shots and that as well. But to be honest, there was a couple of times he landed uh, a few hard shots on Madrimov and that and he got you thinking. So, 
Um, I'd just like to see him if he could maybe maybe relocate, maybe a different trainer, and maybe just I don't know what age he is and stuff like that. But I think there's certainly enough about him to certainly challenge a few, certainly a few prospects. Maybe Commonwealth at least, there, I agree. Yeah, yeah. without doubt. Um, Gaius off against that. Uh, I think it was a Mexican guy at the end of the day. Gaius off. Decent again, but another one who I want to see get stepped up in class soon as uh, off he hasn't been active enough. Another quality amateur back in his time and stuff like that, but he's been inactive. You know, that fight he fought last December was his first fight in over a year. Uh, that was only his third pro fight he had there last night as well. So I want to see activity. I want to see up in class and that as well. And the same goes for Jalilov because... Um, for a guy that size, you know, he's a wrecking ball, but I think he's still got one eye on the Olympics as such. Um, now, I don't know if he's qualified for Olympics. I do know some Uzbeks have so far, and I know some of the, the Olympic qualifiers have been completed in that. But um, uh, guys like uh, Z- uh, Z- Zurov, for example, I think he's a Uzbek flyweight. I think he's qualified. So I don't know about Jalilov, but I know he was hanging about hoping to get there. Again, if he's going to stay pro... I need to see him fight a better opposition because that guy he fought, I remember that guy fighting in Riga and he got he got disqualified. It was a double dis- disqualification. Guys just started brawling in the ring with each other and that even, there wasn't even in, in the boxing sense. So that guy wasn't used to what he was fighting there last night. He would have fought far better than the amateurs and stuff. So if he's going to be staying, going to be here, no fighting amateur, you need to see better. Or there's, there's, there's something they're hiding about this guy and we don't know what. It, but he's 26. He must be coming in his physical peak at least at this point. Um, so I just want to see it kind of up in class a wee bit as well. But all in all, it was okay card, but it was practically a, a, a kind of homecoming for the guys, really. Um, but I don't know if they deserve it or not. But you know, it was good to see that type, that that section of the world get their the big event because these guys, you know, Dzmatov should be a world champion at some point. Akhmadaliyev is a unified champ. Gaisov, Madrimov, we're all expecting to potentially pick up belts, and Jalilov is getting massive. Massive hype at times and that. So you've got you know five potential world champions there, all coming for the same country, all coming out of that same Olympic school. So it would be massive for that country if they could actually pull it off and stuff. Like maybe even get more of more cards and that going on over there. But certainly going forward, we need to see better, better opposition, better opponents and stuff. Yeah, they're going to be a problem for anybody, some of these guys. Uh, ben, just going on to the main event, Akmadaliev against Iwasa. We were discussing this on Friday night. Um, I think Akhmedaliev is the number one at Super Bantam by virtue of holding two of the titles. But Lewis Neri is going to be a problem for anybody. And uh, I, well, I certainly think that Stephen Fulton possibly has the talent to be the best of the bunch. But we need to get these guys unifying because there's the potential for some explosive matchups to that weight, man. Uh, yeah, certainly there is. Um, uh, and I think uh, when we did the stream, like most of us agreed with you, yeah, Fulton's top dog. But, um, it, you know, look at what Akhmedaliev's achieved in, what is it, nine fights now? Um, it's a big mm-hmm. thing, so it'd be it'd be good to see those guys go at it um, again. Whether whether it's actually possible to make those fights or not, due to the promotional wranglings that go on, um, is another thing. Um, but um, I, I really, you know, um, sort of get a bit excited when you see such um, such talent at the top of a division and the prospect of uh, of those fights and potentially getting you know more unifications or an undisputed champion. Um, no, sorry, mate. 
That's Bradford for you. So that's good for a life. Enjoy. Yeah, that's for uh, later, right? Yeah, that's for later. You want to get yeah. you want to get rid of all these fellas that are out in the wind, Wellings? Let's go around here. <laughs> I, I'm, heading, I'm heading back in now. I'll leave you for the wind. Tour. But uh, I just want I just to come here with what Andy said about the. Um, it was more like one of those military parades that uh, that show yesterday. You know, it was them coming out and showing off. This is what we've got, and similar the dance to shows what that as well. Jesus yeah, Christ! Yeah, it's just it's just. Um, showing off this is our talent really and trying to drum up home support so they can potentially do those things again when uh, when those guys um, really start to shine on um, on the western stage and like I said when we did the other stream Steve um, I want to see I want to see them get a bit more push promotion wise from from DAZN etc um, because we're not the, the average fan is not going to get bought in little interviews with them and help them with their English and stuff, you know, and we, like we said, Golovkin got that reputation because he was beating people to a pulp and that, that brings in the casual audience. Not every fighter stylistically is going to do that, but they can still have that pay-per-view potential or, you know, they can their own right. And if we want boxing to be a global sport, these promoters need to, uh, when, when they can, put the money where the mouth is and, and, uh, and do a better job promoting all these guys. Ben calling for a better job promoting on this Sunday evening. Rapping Rob Kelly, you heard him there, live and exclusive, has jumped on the call. How are you, Rob? Ben, the two of us need look no more. Me and Ben, kindred spirits, man, we're out in the fields. I'm, I'm actually indoors at the moment. I'm uh, having a good Easter Sunday. Having a couple of cans, you know, just did a bit of garden today. A uh, bit of a rockery. Whatever, whatever you want. I'm not great in the garden. Like I can dig a little bit, do a bit of rockery, or spray. I'm spraying and praying all day, like I have been all my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Sunday after all, you know. You will be playing on Sunday. <laughs> Did you have your fishing Friday? Did I? Fuck? <laughs> I don't want to Rob, ready to spread some manure on this Sunday evening for us? Then what about herring against Frampton? Oh, look at absolutely. Look, it's, it's, it, it was sad, sad way for for Carl Frampton to end his career. I thought because I think he he kind of went down a bit, a little bit long. Now he didn't go on too long in the traditional sense that, you know, he's had like three or four fights where the writing's on the wall and people around him are kind of advising him to to leave it alone. And he's still, you know, he's Carl's made his money. I think I remember a couple of years, maybe three or four years ago, Andy was saying like I think Carl's one foot out of the sport. And I think we all thought that. Um, after the Warrington fight, he could have retired with his head held high, which he still can, obviously. And nobody would have batted an eyelid. They would have said, thanks for the memories, Carl. Great career. Um, and then Aaron came knocking and he's kind of back um, in a couple of fights that, you know, postponements, injuries, pushbacks. At the end of the day, you're looking at a bantamweight fight and a lightweight last night and whatever, not taking anything away from Herring whatsoever. We all called Herring, myself included, last week on the pod. Thought it was a little bit just too inactive, too old. Um, and too small against a guy like Herring and now under the tutelage of Ball Mac on a bit of a hot run he did everything right lovely sharp straight punches down the middle and I know we talked about this before the eye catching body shots are the ones that are whipped around to the to the guts and the, the ones that come up the middle like kind of bolo punches or uppercuts but the ones that sap you the most a lot of the time are those ones with the full extension and Herring was able to just throw those at will wasn't he like he was able to mix it up a little bit as well with the uppercut how Frampton got to his feet after the knockdown in the final in the last round when it was called, I don't know. I think the referee, I don't know what the fucking crack was with the referee. If you were not, if you're not stopping that fight when he gets up, it's like his eyes are rolling in the back of his fucking head. Barely makes the the ten count. 
and the referee allows him to take punishment for another 15, 10, 15 seconds, which I know seems like a short time, but can be so crucial. And the ref didn't even see the fucking towel coming into the ring, by the way. <laughs> saw, saw it before the referee saw it. So I thought that was poor enough. I don't want to kind of take away from Herring's performance. As I said, he did what he had to do against a smaller guy. He knew he was going to have to fight the perfect fight. And he just didn't let Carl Frampton get set. Like, he kept him... The jab stopped him coming in. The body shots were offsetting him. And Frampton was having to do so much work just to land something. Um, Herring did really well tying him up as well, using his strength, um, not allowing Frampton to work on the inside. So, you know, the the, the warning signs were there and the fight played out how we thought it would play out. Um, to me, Frampton's probably best fighter ever to come out of Ireland in terms of achievements and everything already. If he could have got the, the third world title, um, there'd have been no doubt. Um, oh, you guys are him. a first world country. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Just about. Um, but, um, yeah, so, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it's, it's it was sad, I think, looking at Kyle last night and everything. I he kind of deserves to go out on a winning performance after the memories, but it never goes like that. Um, and especially, I think Press Pass said it last week, when fighters are saying this is the last fight or this could be the last fight, you normally get a, a similar result. But look, best of luck to Herring. I hope he goes on and makes a lot of money in the sport. There's a lot of respect between the two of them last night, which was nice to see. And Carl Frampton will go down as one of the the best fighters ever from Ireland and Britain. Um, and I'm sure he'd be up there for first ballot Hall of Fame, if not second ballot Hall of Fame, or he'll event, eventually end up in the Boxing Hall of Fame and people wouldn't begrudge him that. Great, some of great memories uh, from watching him over the years. The two Kiko Martinez fights stick out, uh, as well as the first Leo Santa Cruz fight. Terrific performances, terrific scraps, and um, just a good guy, Carl Frampton. So best of luck to him in retirement, and thanks for the memories. But um, and onwards and upwards for Jamel Herring. Steve, can I just say real quick? I almost yeah. forgot about this. Yeah. I and I got to say credit to the announcers um, on this one strange thing that always pisses me off. They at least were calling a check hook a check hook in appropriate circumstances this this time around. It seems like ever since the fucking Mayweather knockout of Hatton, people overuse the term check hook. And it's it's the Mayweather Hatton one was a weird one because it's usually actually when an orthodox is fighting a southpaw because what you can do is if your foot is on the out your lead foot is on the outside of their lead foot lead foot is you can throw that hook and step around. That's what the check hook is. And yes, Herring used it exceptionally last night. And for fucking once, the announcers were actually calling a check hook a check hook and not every fucking hook that they saw thrown. That's something that annoys you then, Matty. That, that That's one of those things that really grinds my gears, Steve. It, it pisses me off good, man. The, I, how the fuck do these people have a job, you know? Like, we live, uh, you know, make a few bucks off of Patreon, and they get paid, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to say dumb shit. What the fuck? I know. We could, we could certainly take over and do that for them. Okay, boys, let us have a look what's going on questions-wise. Um, Anthony Stanton was asking here, Andy, I don't know if you can remember back to this one. Please, can someone explain the story behind the woo before Jason Gavin? In the intro, and it was Kurt who put that together. John McDonald was just getting into the yeah. spirit of things, wasn't he? Yeah, I think it was, mate. I, I don't know what it was. I, I don't know if he was like something, something the crowd had come out with, and then he just kind of followed on. Or just kind of like, <laughs> thought it was a good idea. Kind of like, I'll just, I'll just add that bit in there. But John never lasted long after that moment. Did you notice that? Actually, he, he does the, in. he does the darts now, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I must say, hey, I found it. He's an ex-paratrooper, by the way. So yeah, I wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't want to be the person that would fucking wind him up, by the way, or see, see, shite MC. He was fucking tearing you apart, man. 
I've spoke to him a few times. He's, he's, he's like an old-fashioned character coming off with gags. He has a pair of braces yeah. on, big white teeth and everything. Yeah, he's absolutely all right. Yeah, here you go. Actually, that's what happened. Yeah, Aki, Aki just like I'd loved it and just just dropped it into um, the announcement that night. Just just no off chance and that. That was when that was when Eddie got Jason Gavin off an operating table like yeah. a few days before. Eh? Who was he? He's like the banter George king, for? Gavin, wasn't he? For Dave uh, Allen as well. That's what it was. I the banter king because uh, he, he said in his interview afterwards. Uh, so Eddie, why did you bring in uh, Jason Gavin? Well, you know he's got banter. <laughs> I'm like fuck. That's what fights were made on them days. Eh? He's got banter. Doesn't matter if he can fight or not. Oh dear. Uh, Joe Kennedy, Rob, is asking an interesting question. He said, Would any version of Frampton ever have beaten Jamel Herring? Yeah, that's a... I don't know. I don't know. It's a... He had problems with Avalos at one stage, didn't he? The, the length is a, a problem for him, um, or the, the range, rather. Of Gonzalez, as well, the guy who died, yeah. give him a few issues. Yeah, yeah so it'd be tough for him. He's just so much, Herring is so much bigger than Frampton, and he was. So compact as well, and he kind of had Frampton style worked out a little bit as well. He he wasn't going to the two of them were kind of looking to see who was going to lead and counter punch. And while that was going on, Herring was slipping short shots in. So that version of him probably no, but a prime version of Frampton, I don't know. I still think he's he's too far up the weights for me. I think he was he was fighting above his best weight. Um, the second time he moved up, so I I don't know. Tough one, tough one. What age is uh, Herring, by the way? 35. Well, he looks fucking 45, man. This fella, he's like, he hasn't as good as he aged, hasn't been kind to him. 35. He looks like fucking Robert Townsend or something. I don't know what the crack is with him. He's all he's all looking anyway. I tell you what, Rob, they've done a good job with the cut in the corner, I thought. He looked bad during the fight, and afterwards you couldn't even tell it was there. Yeah, I thought it was a bad nick, actually. I, I was wondering what, what was going to happen with that, because it looked like it was running straight into the eye. But I think, like the, yeah, like you said, Carter did a good job on it. And then, as, as well as that, Frampton wasn't really getting close to him, was he? So it wasn't going to be an issue down the line. Let's have a look at some of the fights coming up next weekend then. Matty, starting with you. Saturday, April the 10th, my wife's birthday, actually. I better get my finger out here, <laughs> literally. Uh, Joe Smith Jr. against Maxime Vlasov. Yeah, that was supposed to take place. Month ago? And... Two months yeah. ago? Yeah, yeah that's right. Vlasov injured, I'm sure, eh? Was it injury or some kind of yeah. COVID-related situation? Oh, Injury, right. Okay, so whoever it was has healed up sufficiently to uh, continue with this fight. Effie Jagba going against Brian Howard on the undercard. It's all about Smith Jr. against Vlasov. Uh, Matty, what are you thinking? See, before you go, Matty, see, see that see that fight with uh, Jagba? That guy was fighting at light heavyweight two years ago. So that really? tells you, that's what tells you what kind of level he's, he's, he's dealing with at the point. Dude, uh, a Jagba reminds me of uh, Latif Coyote. <laughs> yeah, that's a good shout, actually. Yeah, it, I just they're they're they're, they, they, they're these like big fucking chiseled guys that can hit like a ton of bricks, but they're so fucking basic and they're just not do not take punches. Fuck. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, I don't know what's gonna happen when the Jogbe fight. Um, as far as the Vlasov fight, um, you know, we we were excited about this one coming up because it's actually an interesting match. Uh, Vlasov is, has moved up and down in weight for years. Uh, this is his second tour at 175, I think. Uh, I saw him on the uh, Alvarado Provodnikov undercard, I think it was, against uh, uh, Zerdo Ramirez in a fight that I thought he fought him pretty close. Um, I had some pretty shitty seats, but I I, I, I had it pretty close to, to an even fight. Um, and he, he performed well at cruiserweight. He, he's a rangy fighter. Um, but 
my big thing on this one is that he's not as skilled as Sullivan Barrera when it comes to using his height, cutting angles. And I, Joe Smith Jr. has improved. He has a good engine. And that going up and down in weight, you know, um, he's a 6'3 guy coming down to 175, um, you know, after years at cruiserweight. My, my feeling on this one is that Joe Smith Jr. stops him late. Um, you know, I'm thinking somewhere after, after the, uh, the, the eighth, somewhere after the, the eighth round, you know, those last four rounds, I am thinking Smith's going to get to him. Um, and that's nothing against Vlasov. This win should be rated for Smith. Uh, Vlasov's one of those guys that's just kind of been under the radar. He's popped up here and there. He's lost in some, uh, prime opportunities, but he's always performed well. Uh, and, uh, I expect a good fight, a, uh, an entertaining fight, but one that Joe Smith Jr. is ultimately going to come out on top in. Interesting times, Andy. As for Vlasov, I remember seeing fighting Ramirez, uh, thinking back to some of the Ramirez fights, he's pretty hard. I know he's lost to Chilemba as well, Glavaki, all gone the distance, shows he's a rough, tough, rugged kind of guy, but he, it also shows that he's at a certain level and he's never been stopped. F- nearly 50 fights, beats the better guys, loses to the guys who are one level above him. If Smith Jr. were to beat him and by knockout, I think that would be a pretty reasonable statement for Smith. Yeah, I agree, mate. I think it would be. Uh, the guy's generally been in, in and around about that weight, uh, mm. top-end weight division now for the best part of, what, a decade, possibly? Leave a decade, but what I'm saying, he's been around about the European level and that's certainly been on that cusp of fringe world level. So um, I, I'm glad the fight's happening, really, because obviously we were expecting Joe Smith, uh, you know, he was deserving his, his, his opportunity, at least, and that. And Vlasov was in there. There was also the chance, uh, I remember off the top of my head, was it, I think it was with Kola and Golaki, actually, it was, no, it wasn't that one, but was it... Oh, Salamov, Salamov and someone else is meant to be fighting. I think Salamov has got a win over someone as well who's fighting on that undercard. Ah, it's the one that uh, the Jagba's fighting. Uh, Smith, I, I agree with Matt. I, th- I think he could win. He could win it by stoppage. Um, just, um, I suppose Vlasov really he fights it kind of like one pace for me. Smith's obviously all action, kind of keeps keeps uh, the the arms pumping and stuff. So if um, if Vlasov can't can't turn him and just kind of like possibly tie him up and then work his body, I think he's, he could have a, a problematic night. So Vlasov for me is going to stay off the ropes, uh, bare minimum at least, and then we'll wait and see how it goes. The wife sneezing there by the way, so she's still alive unfortunately. But. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I so we'll wait and see. Um, but I, I'm going to go Joe Smith with late stoppage as well. I'm going to say run about a ten round stoppage possibly. Uh, no my luck with the predictions I picked this week, though. Outside the, the Herring fight, I'll probably be wrong with that one. So, But yeah, um, I'm really looking forward to the other American card, the one that Mohin's son and, and, on Showtime, actually. That's one that's got my, my interest. Don't worry, Andy, we are coming on to that one shortly. Ben, anything from you on Vlasov against Smith? I, I'm sure you're a Smith fan like us. He's a good old working-class guy. Yeah, nothing to add, really, on, on how the fight will play out. I, I agree. I think it, Smith will probably take it, but... um. I was just going to say, Vlasov was meant to fight Umar Salomov, and then Salomov got COVID because um, Alciesta was, was going to do that show with um, with Top Rank, and it was going to be in Russia. And then um, Salomov was quite bad with COVID, I think, like Povetkin. But then um, I'm sure Vlasov got COVID early this year as well. Um, I'm sure there's some reports on on ESPN and stuff like that for for, for him um, him getting him getting COVID as well. And was that not this fight not actually delayed because of that too? If I remember correctly. I think I think it was. Um, I can't remember actually. To be honest, I can't say for sure. But I am a, a Joe Smith Junior fan, and he can definitely punch as well. Rob, we, we like a bit of Joe Smith. It, there's only one outcome for me, and that's Smith winning this. I don't want to see Vlasov winning this. No harm to him. Yeah, Joe Smith blowout inside four 
It's going to get some absolutely starts him, eject him for the ring, a la B-Hop, um, who didn't obviously get ejected from the ring. He definitely slipped, and that was an unfair stoppage. But apart from that, Joe Smith has had a good record. Um, no, nah, Joe Smith is ex- I love Joe Smith, man, because he's just, he's like something out of it. He could be like, you could see Adam Sandler playing him in a biopic in about three years, couldn't you? Like, he's just kind of real, hey, Joe, how are you? I am good, guys. He kind of sounds like <laughs> Snuffleupagus from fucking Sesame Street. Hey, Joe, how was the fight? The fight was good, guys, you know. I just ready to do my best. And he just has a fucking savage punch, like, doesn't he? Fucking knock out a horse, like, so. Yeah, Joe Smith Jr., man. I'm all, about, I'm all on the Joe Smith train. Hopefully, fucking ices this guy and we get him back in again. Hey, well, bird. <laughs> well, and you got to love him, too, because, uh, you know, like, even, you know, think back, you know, when, when he was getting, you know, his, his ears boxed off uh, by Barrera. He um, he didn't quit. At well, he no got his point. jaw broken against Barrera yeah. as well, by the way. So, yeah, yeah, that's a big, big plus in his favor with Joe Smith. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you got to admire that. You know, not not all fighters are going to be pound for pound greats or anything like that. But you like you said, he's a working class guy, and he's getting some good paydays. And I really think he appreciates every fucking cent of it, and he appreciates every cent that those working class people pay to for tickets and for television to watch him. Um, so yeah, Joe Smith Jr. fights are just are just good fun, and you know, go Joe Smith Jr. because he is a cool guy. He you got you, you can't help but like him. Well said, Mate. Joe Smith Jr. Good luck next week, sir. We all love you. On to the Showtime card, then, Andy. As you mentioned, Tom Brown. Looking forward to this one. Jerwin Ancoyas going in against Jonathan Rodriguez. Ancoyas uh, slipping over to the PBC alongside Manny Pacquiao. He used to be with Top Rank, as far as I'm aware. Maybe they've sacked him off. Uh, Imantas Stanionis. I'm sure I've seen him fight to you before, but I can't remember who against. Going in against Thomas Delorme. Delorme has sort of dropped into contender status now. He might be able to mess Stanionis about. But if Stanionis can get the knockout, that'll be interesting. In the main event, I have applied the Wellings curse officially to Jerron Ennis, ahead <laughs> uh, of this Sergei Lipinets fight, Andy. I think that he's the future of the sport, future pound-for-pound pound star, Ennis. So watch him come unstuck. Seriously, though, I think he's going to absolutely beat the shit out of Sergei Lipinets on Saturday night. And I think Lipinets is going to take it to his credit before he gets pulled out in about round 10 or stopped. Round 10 or 11 for me, I'll go for the 10th. And his face is going to look like a butcher's slab. He's going to get absolutely mashed up by Jerron Ennis. What do you reckon? I'm kind of thinking along those lines as, as well, mate. You know, I'm, I'm high on Ennis and that as well. But uh, I'll start at the bottom of the card. Uh, yes. Cajas, just stick a fucking fork in that that that, that career, man. I mean, that, he's held that belt now. It must be coming on six years, and he has done absolutely diddly shit with that, by the way. Um, he's he's tied up with Manny Pacquiao, so I don't know if he's fighting or Manny's getting his opportunities and stuff, but he's he's just never fought anybody, anybody worth a pulse, really. And I mean, okay, I think that guy Gonzalez that, uh, that uh, Yafai and uh, Chocolatito beat, I think that's about the only named guy that I can think of, maybe a Rojo and that as well, but he's, he, it's one of the kind of meh type fucking reigns and stuff like that. As I say, six years yet, he's quickly becoming like the WBO reign of Kozagi for the first five, six years. And stuff like that. <laughs> I've heard, to... Andy, to be fair, that this uh, Rodriguez isn't, isn't too bad, so we might be in for something. Right, well, I'm going to check him out actually, to be honest with you, uh, just to see. Because uh, I like to say we change the guard here because how he's never had a, a, a unification fight uh, ever since now, at least. Not, I just, I just don't know. I mean, the Ioka fight would be an ideal fight for him to make at, the, at a certain point, but mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I don't know. Um, Stanley Onis against Delorme. Now, I was asking you guys in the chat and stuff like that about about odds for this fight. I'm going to go on the limb here, right? 
and the odds are not out for it yet, but I'm gonna say Stanny Onis is gonna win this fight by knockout. Ooh. I was watching some I was watching some uh, some highlights of this guy and some footage um, during during the week there and um he's a fucking bulldozer man. He's got a vicious right uppercut and he's got a heavy left hook to the body and he can also drop that left hook as an uppercut upstairs and that as well. So the lower mate, I'm going off of Jamal James fighting, obviously, what I can recall, he tried to press Jamal James a wee bit from time to time. Uh, although James won the fight, I think. Um, if he try, if, if Delorme tries that with Stanley Onis, I think we're in for a cracking fight. Like We could be in here for like a phone, phone booth fight if Delorme wants to go there. But I think gradually I could see Stanley Onis potentially wearing him down if, it, if that fight does go into the pocket as such. Um, we'll wait and see though. You know, Delorme might come out and outbox him and stuff, but uh, certainly Stanley Onis is a strong, very thick, muscular guy who's got very deceptive hand, hand speed and very good power. Um, you know, and there's not many Lithuanians coming out, uh, coming into the world ranks at these points at this point. Do you know, Andy, what people forget as well sometimes? I was watching highlights back on YouTube recently. Delorme was fiddling Terence Crawford about something rotten, you know, before he got stopped. Mm-hmm. I know it was about five or six years ago, but he was doing well. It was doing well. It was doing well. And obviously, uh, I think that's what... Was that one of the fights that Crawford was touching on? Is that he was switching southpaw a lot more than he was yeah, actually it was doing around far that better time. than southpaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, as I say, you know, if, if Delorme does go to him head-to-head, I think Stanley Onis could win by knockout. If he tries to box it, and that, I think he could give Stanley Onis a wee bit of problems. So it, might, it would force him to kind of chase him and cut down the ring, which I've seen him do from time to time in that as well. So that one is, is worth... See, I, I don't bet, but uh, I don't bet anymore than that. But I was certainly, if I was going to be betting, I would probably be looking that one on the odds for a knockout of that one uh, as well. And if you want to double it up, go for the NS uh, double header uh, for him to win by stoppage. And as you say, mate, I think uh, up at that weight as well, NS is just an absolute beast, absolute monster. Switch hits, got power in both hands, straight shots, hooks, uppercuts. He's got the whole repertoire. Uh, Lippinets, I think, is just going to be a punch bag, mate, to be honest with you. I can see him standing there, hands up, and uh, just basically yeah. trying to parry shots. Straight lines, yeah. yeah. Yeah, basically. And I think we're going to get a mercy stoppage at some point here, or referee's just going to step in. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say NS, I'll go between 8 and 10. Um, and Stanley Onis, again, I'll go for something similar, I think. If, 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 if we get the fight, I think it's going to go. I think Stanley Onis will win by stoppage as well. Good stuff, Andy. Uh, Matty, anything from you on this card? Starting, uh, if you wish, with Stanley Onis against Delorme. I'm just looking at Delorme's last four fights, actually. Now, he's only had one fight a year, so he's not exactly been on a train of momentum, but lost a unanimous decision to your Dennis Ugas. No shame in that. Majority draw with Jesse Vargas. Then he took Terrell Williams, his 18-0 record. I was trying to remember who it was, which unbeaten fighter's record he's taken. It was Terrell Williams. And then he lost unanimous decision to Jamal James. So he's not in the worst form in the world against pretty recognisable names, Delorme. So, Maybe he could mess Stanionis around for a little bit. Maybe, but, you know, Delorme has his upside. But I'll tell you this. I have been predicting Thomas Delorme getting his ass kicked all the way back to when he fought fucking Abregu. I, I called that one. I, I, I had seen Abregu on a, on a Showtime card, and I had already seen some Delorme. And I watched the way that Abregu threw that right hand over the top. And I said, fucking Delorme is fucked. And um, the... That fight was off of uh, just randomly. If you guys have never seen uh, Abreu against Irving Garcia, that's a killer fight that was under the radar. It was fun as shit. 
But anyhow, um, so Delorme's going down. Uh, he's just got that look about him. There's these certain fighters. You look at them. They look fragile. Him, Saddam Ali, uh, you know, just kind of those fighters that have no legs to them. Uh, I, I think he's he, – and he's right. This dude's going to is going to get uh, his, his block knocked off. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he's got a lot of heart. He stands in. He, he, uh, he, even can have, he even had a few good rounds against Terrence Crawford. But Delorme's getting fucking smoked like a pack of cools. Um, I was going to bet an NSKO, but um, yeah, you said something, Steve, so I guess I'll back off that. Um, wise but, move, wise move. Thank you, thank you. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Back no, th- thank you. you back, <laughs> it. back it, mate. I'm telling you, you're going to be raging if you don't back it. No, <laughs> I actually think that putting the – I'll have to look at the numbers, but I think putting those two together in a parlay to win by knockout is probably a pretty solid bet. Well, we can all be wrong sometimes. You never know. Back in the day, when before Floyd came to prominence, people thought Zab Judah was going to be the truth. And uh, he had a good career, did Zab. He was a good fighter. Uh, anything from you, Ben? Uh, future projections for Jerron Ennis, maybe? Are you on mute, Ben? I, I couldn't unmute myself. It was going a bit crazy. But, um, <laughs> Steve, just to echo what you said, I think he's the next pound for pound star. And I think he's going to do the same to... Um, to the Pinets on the weekend, I think he's going to destroy him. Um, not uh, not sure about Stanley Onis, not seen much of him, but um, I just noticed he, he, he's training out of Oxnard. Is he training with um, Robert Garcia? Does anybody know? I'm not sure about who he's training with, me, but yeah, he is training with uh, uh, Oxnard. Uh, he beat him, um, he got beat off uh, one of the Uzbeks in the 2016 Olympics and stuff. I think it was the quarters he got put out in. I think Marvin Samodio might be involved with Stanionis. He was at one point anyway. Somebody right, said right. something on Twitter said to me the, 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 the odds for that fight should be out on Tuesday. I just, I just really interested to see see whether because I was watching him saying I fancy this guy uh, won by stoppage. Just, just, just how he goes about it. And as I say, if, 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 if he does, if Delorme comes looking for it, and, he, and if he's opened in the middle, he's open for uppercuts. That guy, that guy could just ping them down there like Nibby's business. He's fucking heavy, heavy hitter. Like anything else, Ben? Before we bring Robin, move on to Connor Ben. Connor Ben. No, that was it. Really, just wanted to, to echo what you said, Steve. I think Ennis yeah, will be uh, really will be the pound for pound star going forward. It'll be fantastic. Interesting to see the standing on this now that Andy's uh, brought him to my attention as well. Yep, looking forward to a bit of Stanionis action myself. Uh, Rob, I'm the cooler. I've put the cool down on Jerron Ennis, but maybe he'll be too powerful even for me to stop him rising to the top of world boxing. I've always got me doubts about fellas in 2021 to have tassels on their shorts. <laughs> you have to be a certain level of fighter to pull off having tassels on your shorts. Like, and he's shown so far, he's very flashy. Um, him and Colbert, kind of similar characters. Yeah, I think he's good. Yeah, I think he'd probably get the stoppage. He should do. It's a fight that's set up for him to look good in, so he should look good in it. Like I'd, I'd back him for the stoppage on that one. Um, hasn't put a foot wrong so far in his pro career, but hasn't really fought anyone, so it is a bit of a, a step up for him. Um, but like I said, I think it's a fight that he's supposed to look good in, and I think he will look good in it. What's the other fight? Delorme versus who? Delorme versus Stanionis and Jerwin and Kayas is on the card as well. Oh, lovely. Um, <laughs> the fucking creme de la creme this is, isn't it? Um, yeah, I'd go along with that, with Andy and say Delorme could be ripe for the picking. And yes, man, I just don't really give a shit enough about to kind of give a, an evaluation yeah. of him. Yeah. Like, I'm not, not going to watch this fight. I don't think I'll probably just pick up the result. 
Yeah, I think Rob's right. It, it's all set up for um, Ennis to look good, uh, pick off Le, uh, Lipinets's value that he's brought to the ring. Did you want to add anything in Ben? Before... <laughs> I was just going to say, Ankar is just taking the piss really with that belt. And, and I'm sure he's managed and promoted by Manny, or he was, because I remember he boxed on that same card Mohamed Wasim boxed on it. I think mm-hmm. he did anyway. But yeah, he's just, yeah. he just really has taken the piss. And I don't know whether that's been an intentional thing, but um, yeah, we need to see, like Andy says, we need to see a change in the belt. But if we're changing of the guard, let's uh, change the scenery here over to the, uh, goodness, uh, Wembley Arena, actually, no less, Andy. Conor Bain headlining against Samuel Vargas on his way to a world title shot, possibly. Uh, Cash Farouk against Alexander Espinosa. Uh, let the thirst begin as Shannon Courtney fights oh, against no. Ebony Bridges. The, those those two girls could be in danger at the way, and I think maybe that might be the, the toughest fight of their, their life. <laughs> we'll be, you should be, you should be trying to get out of the arena at the end of the night. <laughs> you should begin that, uh, Marty, that question about the woman's fight, by the way. I thought you got two women's fight on that card. Like, you should be giving both to Matty. Oh, Savannah Marshall against Femke Herbert. Yeah. Matty will get his chance, Andy. Anything yeah. that's interesting you on there? I am. I am. In, I'm genuinely interested, Andy, to see Ebony Bridges fighting. I actually am. I really want to see what she's like. Whether she's a yeah, fighter. well, it's, it's on regular Sky now, so I dare say we'll have it on and we will get a chance to see her for the first time and stuff. But um, I've, I've no opinion on the fight whatsoever. You know that. Did I, you? Man... Did you not get the invite, Andy? No. For what? Well, we're doing a post-fight pod with Gareth Davies after that one. Gareth oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Davies, nah, he's probably got the lube out there. <laughs> oh, dearie me. No, nah, I mean, look, I suppose, I mean, it'll be good to see Cash Fruit back in action. So, um, the guy's fighting, though, I'm, I'm not over-enamoured with him as such. Um, I noticed he got beat off Dixon Flores in two rounds and stuff, so... I don't know how Cash approaches it. And to be honest with you, he's, he's lost any momentum that he had in that coming, even coming off that McGregor defeat. You know, he's um, Eddie's done nothing with him, absolute fucking nothing. Um, and as I say, the two women's fights to kind of take care of themselves and stuff. So, really, it's all about Conor Ben and how he takes on Sammy Vargas. So, yeah, I know he fought with Virgil Ortiz in his last fight, so it's, it's a decent step up of sorts for uh, for Conor Ben, to be honest with you. Um, I, I mentioned that Ortiz probably kind of over, over egged it a bit trying to get that stoppage against against Vargas. And he's been in deep bay, like so Colazzo, Cannes beat him as well. Um, a couple of other names he's been in with, like I said, that Finnish guy uh, and Ali Fineka and that. So he's he's been in with some experienced operators and that. If, if Ben's taking the sport seriously as what he says he's been doing and stuff like that, I think he should win. Um, I don't know how he wins, though, to be honest with you. Um, this new improved Ben and that, but he seems to be going about his business as such. I'll say, I'm going to say Ben wins by stoppage. Um, again, it probably depends on what Vargas is going to present and what kind of, you know, how's... What's his, uh, you know, what's his goals these days? Is it just turn up for a payday or such? And that That's the know? thing. He, to be fair, in his losses, he has always shown an appetite for the fight. So if Ben were to stop him, I think it would be a reasonable statement, statement. at this level yeah. of Ben's career. Yeah. And I says Ortiz, I says he had them hurt a couple of times. As I said, I thought he did try to press it too much. I could see Ben doing similar. If Ben gets some hurt, he'll probably try and pour in and try and try and end it pretty quick. And that if he does, if he does that, then then then, then good and well. Again, this this card again it, it props up a couple of things for me. One again, lack of stars in the British scene. Not just Eddie's mm-hmm. table and that, but again the British scene. And two, cheap is getting propped up by two women, two women's fight, two women world title fights. Again, cheap options and it, it, stack, it kind of fills with the card a wee bit in that as well. So there's really much else to kind of write home about. I've never seen any about Nick Campbell, John Hedges, for example, and stuff like that. So no. for me, Cash and uh, Conor Benz are going to be two main fights. I dare say I'll watch 
I watched Bridges against Courtney and that as well because you you're getting interested now to see how how this actually yeah. you know, the school teacher fights and stuff like that. Is just a flash in the pan? Is she gonna be selling for panties and stuff like that after the fights and stuff like that? Who knows? We'll wait and see. Eddie Hearn's got her uh, is I heard has got a stool ready to go on eBay for after the fight, though. I heard that one. <laughs> don't don't want that stool, son. You know, to the guy who comes in in the big hazmat suit. Just, just leave that stool. <laughs> <laughs> One of the listeners said it's, uh, their fan bases are called Simp Brigade. The Simp Brigade. I'm looking forward to Twitter and the build up to this fight to see. I think you're a genuine world talent, Shannon. <laughs> who was, How much of your socks? Who, <laughs> who was that guy, remember, he got his picture taken, he, he, he bought a t-shirt and I think he bought one of the sign gloves and stuff? Oh, I can't remember the sign. I forget his name. The, the first the, squad? Aye, uh, the, uh, the first squad, aye. Uh, the Deviant team. That's $20 you ever spent. <laughs> I bet, uh, ben, the first thing he, I bet the first thing he did to when 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 they got that got that regalia or they got the, the equipment and I bet he smelt it first. Nah, <laughs> I, I bet you, he did. You probably used it like a flashlight. I say that you laugh about those AI sex ro- robots, but I said it before. As soon as they put fucking microwaves in their stomach. I'm fucking in. <laughs> yeah. you get them, if you can get them with a built-in microwave and a mute button, I'm telling you, I'm about to start the business. We're taking a fuck Bitcoin. This is the new wave. This is. Oh, we need to get them, Bob. The boxingasylum.com forward slash shop. One with an Ebony Bridges Leeds top on and all. We'll, ha- we'll have one with one with that and one with just extra long hot water bottles. We we'll have a new venture. <laughs> <laughs> We need to get a we need to get a transgender one as well, just for the most external weird oh, yeah. well, that's Whatever floats your boat. As long as you get your, as long as you get your fucking hot dog at the end of it. Ping. <laughs> I don't know if it would go ping, but it would certainly go flop. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the best we can do, I suppose. Ben uh, previewing this card, uh, Cash Farouk's on the undercard against Alexander Espinosa. Should we be expecting a bit better for Cash, considering what Eddie had promised? Yeah, definitely. I remember bugging Eddie um, after Cash got robbed against McGregor. We were in Liverpool, I think. I think it was a Callum Smith. I think it was before Smith Ryder. Can't remember. Anyway, I'm sure we were in Liverpool and I was saying to him, you're going to sign him. Like, pestering me. You should be signing. You should be trying to sign him and look what's happened now. He's just fucked him off. It's like when Chelsea or Man City sign one of these really good players, youngsters, and just leave him on the fucking bench for a year. It's not, it's not fair to the fighter. And, and like Andy said, he's lost all that momentum, all that motivation and hype around him has gone... He's been thrown in with nobodies. He's not been. He's all right. He's got. There's a. Is there a trinket on the line for this? I think, but it, it's not. Look at what. Look at what MTK have done with Lee. It, it's. Uh, you know, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Ben. Less of the trinket here. The WBC International Silver Bantamweight title. <laughs> yeah. So this is what I mean. I mean, obviously, it's it's still like the playing the game. You're getting the ranking from it, whatever it might be. I'm not sure what it is with that one, you know. But it's still, it's the opposition's underwhelming, you know, the whole thing, and it's like, you know. He's just been thrown on as part of the undercard. Nobody really knows about him, and and it's um it's worlds apart from what what um, Lee's getting, uh, and and not that we should be holding them in, in comparison like that, con- you know, continuously because it's not fair on either of them really. But um, but you just have hoped for more more for him. You know, he's he's worked hard and he's come up from nothing. I, I remember being on the Lee McGregor hype train. Like I, Andy, remember he fought that night. He, who did he fight? He fought some some kid from Africa. Uh, Thomas Asombo uh, was it? No, Asombo, he smashed yeah, my eye. Yeah, he did. He smashed Asombo up. And I remember, like I said, I was filming ringside that night, and it was um, I was really on that hype train. It was only the three fights before their fight where Cash started just getting better and better and better. And now that momentum is just gone, and it's it's really sad. It's really sad. Um, 
as for Courtney Bridges, um, I'm really pissed off about this fight, to be honest with you. Um, one, because of Cannon, uh, Shannon fucking uh, avoiding all the racism and stuff that she did um, in December, and it's like just been swept under the rug. I'm sure it'll get brought out this weekend, but how that plays out. I, not that I'm for cancel culture or anything, but um, just the way she acted and things went on behind the scenes, it, was, it wasn't good. And then... Um, and then uh, Bridges, she seems like a nice girl, um, but um, she shouldn't she shouldn't be ranked for a world title fight. Not even in the women's game, where we know that a lot of the time there's a, a big gulf. You know, the steps aren't as small as they are in the men's game for, for women to, to move up the ranks. There are big gulfs in talent, but this is too much. I, I saw bits of um, I follow some of the there's a few um, female Australian boxers that I follow, and some of them had been training with uh, Bridges, and they'd posted bits of the fight on on uh, Instagram and stuff the day it happened. And it was, it was shocking, you know, that the opponent she fought was like someone who's my age and I'm, I'm nearly 40 and she's, you know, um, it was quite funny because it was a stark contrast. There was Ebony Bridges in her bikini and then there was this 40 year old woman in a hijab. Yeah, it was Carol and, Earl, and, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, uh, 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 it was just, um, it was, um, yeah, she shouldn't be fighting for a world title. That's the, that's the bottom of it. And, uh, uh, it's only been done by Eddie as a sort of promotional gimmick, really, isn't it? To be, to build hype up for for Shannon and then take her on to fight Ball, etc. Going forward, so not happy about that. Uh, good step up for Conor Ben, uh, like Andy said. Um, I think he should win it. Um, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see how he approaches it. Vargas has been in with really good operators before, so um, and uh, the sort of step up we we want to be seeing for for fighters, really. Um, and um, I can't remember who else is, is. Is there any other fights on the card of not? I can't remember off the top of my head. Anna Marshall's fighting against Femke Hermans. No, no <laughs> Herman, Herman Munster. Oh, yeah. no I thought it was just a Hermes delivery guy or something like that. <laughs> Probably will be a Hermes delivery guy. And Savannah's a really nice girl, you know. She's like really friendly, really nice girl. And I just uh, hope the best for her in the game. Um, don't want to see her get sidelined and not get opportunities and stuff. Um, but, um, but yeah, I've got no idea about our opponent, to be honest with you. Yeah, Andy's throwing one in there. I'm going to endorse this, Andy. 200 likes and we'll do a post-fight podcast. <laughs> oh, dear. Ooh. Thankfully, these tight bastards won't give us 200 yeah. likes, so I think we're I safe. Well, see, I, actually, I, I actually overshot it because, obviously, we did the one... Uh, I forgot what one it was. What one did we do? Dillian White. For 100, 100. I did 100, yeah. so 200 this time. But I tell you, we'd be coming on air just in time for her and Eddie give his speech about, yes, she's made mistakes. Wouldn't you rather her come in and win a world title? She's made so many sacrifices. I can't really do the Cockney accent, but still, you get the picture. He's going to be fucking giving it that one, isn't he, after she wins? like The piano drops. When the piano drops, Shanna Courtney <laughs> is now world champion. And poor Ebony Bridges being in the corner, being consoled by Gareth A. Davies. It's going to be rough. Yeah, and then you will rise again. Like that consoled? On your is that what the kids call it yeah. these days? <laughs> That's what he'd be, he'd be saying to her. You will rise like that phoenix tattoo on your leg once again to become women's world champion. Straight to the gateway of heaven. But uh, I was going to say, you can imagine, you know, if, if Shannon Courtney wins his fight, you can imagine Rachel Ball might end up phoning us back up for a change. Uh, we podcast together. We're team Courtney now, you. team Shannon. <laughs> we don't forget, Rachel. We don't forget. Yeah, we, we never forget, Rachel. Um, Go fuck yourself, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag fuck the listeners. The thing is with Ebony Bridges, Rob, it's like the old days. You remember like Salvador Sanchez against Azuma Nelson? They couldn't get any footage of Nelson and they had literally no idea of, of 
What, the guy who was coming into the ring. You just compare this chick to Zuma Nelson? You just got your own fucking Bellew of the Week nomination, man. I'm talking the the footage situation. Got Ebony coming in here. She could be a Zuma Nelson. You know, she could be Admiral Nelson. We just don't know. Fucking Admiral Nelson. Could be fucking Johnny Nelson. Could be Father Nelson in today's world. You just don't hey, know. Hey, enough of the, that, that that rape comment by we stopped that. Uh, uh, what do you reckon then, Bob? Um, about the cards in what general? It is shit, isn't it? It is shit. Like, well, I'd be probably doing a post fight pod for it next week after we asked for that. Like, didn't we? Um, <laughs> no, I think like I don't. I'm not a big Santa Courtney fan. Um, just her persona irks me. I try not to let fighters' personas make a decision about them being a, a fighter. She looked okay in the Razor Ball fight um, until she got clocked in that. Like, I thought she took defeat very badly. Um, ben mentioned her past. She's a bit of a reprehensible character. So she's a bit of a, I don't know, like, I prefer Ebony Bridges to win, but that's not happening. Like, is it, you know, like I said, the guy will be there in full con- consolation mode. Um, so I can't see I can't see anything but a Courtney win and an Eddie post fight speech that'd make you sick. Even Ed, he'd probably be dressing down in the ears as well to appeal to the Courtney marker. Only what they have on him next week, like a little pair of joggers, maybe a little paper pair of baby runners again. Chebs uh, will be out. Don't you worry about that. Chebs will be out next week as well. Same uh, she's, she's turned her life around and all this since she used to fucking work at Asda or whatever the fuck she did. I don't know. Um, I couldn't give a fucking flying fuck about this fight, Steve. <laughs> Not a fucking <laughs> bit. Couldn't give a shit about it. But I watch it anyway. You know, you know, you know what it is. The love affair with boxing continues even if the fights are shit. So, yeah, I'll be here next week talking about it. But. Uh, what a Saturday trash. Night, yeah, we're here Saturday talking about it. What a lot of <laughs> fucking trash this is. Like. You know someone else would be watching too? Yeah. One of the things you... on my list here to ask you about is you've got a mass of tattoos on your legs, <laughs> yeah? Tell us about the tattoos. All oh, right, there they are. Oh, there we go. Wow. Yeah, actually, I do. Tell us, t- tell us about the tattoos. <laughs> um. Okay, well, I mean, i got tattoos on my arms as well, but this, the... So I've got a dragon, and I mainly got that one, honestly, for art. But then I've got the phoenix. I've got to show you this, if you don't mind. Okay, I'm I've sure this... no one will mind. Oh, so Gareth. I'm not Gareth, I bet you don't. Yes, I can see the phoenix, yeah. Yep, and that is I can't. Like, I don't know if you, you know, obviously everyone knows about a phoenix, but a phoenix is the rise of the phoenix. You rise from the ashes, you know what I mean? So, so it's symbolic up, for you. What a, gr- what a great definition. Yeah, definitely the phoenix is definitely symbolic for me. <laughs> Yeah, you know the phoenix, you rise from the ashes, mate. Yeah, yeah, I know the phoenix. Yeah, I've never heard that expression before, you know. Dumbo. Aye. You about? Yeah, you just rise from the ashes. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's the story of the phoenix. Yeah, fucking dingbat. Fuck's sake. That's a school teacher to you you're talking about, too. Why your kids get educated? You're flaming galah. She's a maths teacher, Rob. Well, I'll tell you, uh, yeah, well, it wouldn't have, wouldn't, have, wouldn't have lasted in my school. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Gareth, man, uh, if if I was him, the conversation would probably be like, Oh, yeah, yeah, you're a math teacher, yeah, well, you plus me equals restraining order. (laughs) Hey, let's just, let's just, let's just like, we've got about time to kill here. Let's just, uh, let's just like imagine. Gareth A. Davis's movements after that interview, by the way. I think he did after that one. I said, I said it before, I said it the first time I heard this. 
that's definitely a fucking line that the guy is throwing around at 2 a.m. in the casino in Vegas when he's overcovered the fucking tons of Oh, yeah, I can see that. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, and his his. I guarantee you, after he got off with that interview, uh, if if you would have ran a black light over right. his room, it would have looked like a rave. Dana for equity. Right, come on. Get your heads out to go to you lot. Back to the back to the job in hand. Let's stay focused. You're the one asking the questions about fucking <laughs> fucking Shadow Courtney versus every race. I'm just doing my job, Rob man. Cut me some slack. You gotta read the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, so back to Connor Ben then, Matty. You can have your say on the women if you if you please. But regarding Connor Ben, they've got Formello off the back of the Porter fight. They've got uh, Vargas off the back of the Ortiz fight. They're having a look at Connor, who I'm a fan of now after his last fight and his post-fight interview especially. He seems to be improving, seems to be the new hardcore's favourite. They're having a little look at him in comparison to some of the better prospects in the division. He, I, I don't know where his career is going to go. There does definitely, there is definitely improvement when it comes to uh, to Connor. Uh, so that said, man, I don't know what this Vargas fight means. Uh, you know, v- Vargas has been in with a fair amount of fighters, and uh, he's lost to the good ones, um, and he's lost to some not good ones too. Uh, he shared the ring with Munguia, Pablo Munguia. Lost to him, uh, you know, um, and in the, knocked out by Spence, knocked out by Garcia, uh, you know, uh, had a very close fight, which he lost with fucking old and, you know, uh, God knows what's left of his liver, Louis Colazzo. Um, so if, if he if the, if he's able to stop him, you know, like the upper echelon is done, you know, even though Vargas is is older and it's probably an easier task now. You know, uh, you, you do have to uh, start paying attention to the kid. But if, you know, if it's just kind of a lackluster decision or he struggles with him, uh, the, the kid's career um, definitely has a uh, ceiling and it's closely ahead. Um, and, uh, you know, as far as the, the, the gals fight, um, I'm not too keen on uh, either of the fighters. You know, can't find crap for Bridges, really, other than some lovely pictures. Um, You're a big fan of it, Barney, aren't you, Matty? I I uh, I'm just very very concerned that she's going to keep her chin tucked, and um, and then uh, Shannon Courtney's going to uppercut her in the tits, and there'll be a chain reaction. She'll get knocked out from uh, having a fake hooter to the chin. Um, so you know, well look, look ahead to that. Um, it could be a <laughs> sounds could be a like a some pale so, Sounds like a scene in that Adam Sandler movie where he plays Joe Smith and they go to a bar. <laughs> Dude, yeah, Rob, uh, Rob, you and I need to talk about this. Uh, definitely, it sounds like a potential Poontang clan production. Yeah, it's a winner. It's a winner. Put me down. I'll write the script for you, Rob. I'll write the script. Yeah, Wellings is in as editor. We're all good. Yeah, we, we just learned how to make money off of this shit. Fucking A. I love, I love Johnny Nelson's comment, though, about Connor Ben in the chat there. He says, Connor Ben bought himself a beard. Now he shaves it off. <laughs> how do you beat a guy like that? Uh, anything else, Matty, before we move on to Belly of the Weeks? Nah, nah, I, uh, that, that's all I have on that, so. Uh, good luck to everybody involved in the boxing next week. We may or may not be here on Saturday evening. Who knows? 200 likes is the price we shall pay. Uh, on to Belly of the Weeks, episode 417. Dominic's left us. Rob is still here. Matty's here. Ben, Andy, and me, Steve. Right. Here we go, then. They all say that us hardcore helmets know nothing about boxing, so I shall refer to the experts here to let us know exactly what's going down. Um, is this a new career for you uh, after you finish boxing to maybe be a pundit? 
I believe to be a pundit, you have to have really achieved and done something in your career. So for me, at the moment, am I a viable pundit? Maybe not. But do I know about boxing? Yes, I do. How good is David Price? The heir to the Klitschko throne. People think I'm crazy when I said it. I said it a long time ago. But uh, it is what it is, mate. He is, he is just the best. He's the best heavyweight in Europe, mate. Without a shadow of a doubt. The only people I'd, I'd think twice about putting him in with is Vladimir Klitschko. I'd put him in with Vitaly tomorrow. And I really, genuinely mean that. Do you sincerely think he's the best we've got in this country uh, what potentially wise or right now I believe he's the best in the country now and I believe he's the best by a country mile you know okay we've got another heavyweight out there in Tyson Fury who make no mistake has improved is not a bad fighter but when you boxing for me is all about levels and David Price is on another level possibly even in a totally different stratosphere to Tyson Fury he is that he, there's, the golfing class is that big and if they got in the ring you would see the golfing class so, you know, for me, David Price is the best in the country. I believe he's already the best in Europe. He, it's just, he, just wants, he just needs a big fight. But, you know, listen, baby steps, because what's the rush? I believe we've got the best heavyweight in the world, the heir to the Klitschko throne. What, there's no need to rush it. You know, take your time, breed it, and let him come through properly. Baby steps. What a legend! Vitaly Klitschko against fucking David Price. That that's almost as that's almost as bad as Donnie's prediction that Seth Mitchell was a potential future of the heavyweight division. Almost. He said he said, uh, he, said he was in a different stratosphere, but he was almost right. His head was in a different stratosphere. <laughs> See you, Roldal, with your daughter, Sophie Dal, cutting 14 pounds nice and easy. <laughs> 14 pounds of what, though? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Might nominate that one, actually, Andy. Oh, yeah, without doubt, mate. I mean, I mean, you remember Eric and Tepper almost like punching David Price through underneath the bottom rope and out the ring? Yes. Vitaly Klitschko would have fucking landed him in Pristina or something like that on the way back for Ukraine. You're fucking right-handed that way, man. Price would never have got up for it. <laughs> oh, but this is, this is, see, the thing is, even Tony, Anthony, sorry, um, he actually dug me out for my Callum Smith comments, well, for his comments on Callum Smith. Right? If it's Scouse, he backs it 100%. If it's Paul Smith fighting Kovalev, Paul Smith's going to win by knockout. If it's David Price fighting Muhammad Ali, Ali's a bum. He's never he's never got no chance and stuff like that. Even, even though he's dead these days, he still isn't going to win the fucking fight. Just... Oh, it's the gift that keeps on giving. But honestly, God, I see one guy in the chat saying, "I'm from Liverpool, and I'm ashamed to listen to that shit." <laughs> Fucking Vitaly Klitschko, Jesus man. Let's see if Tony has any uh, competition. Dorian Darch at Dorian underscore Darch was getting stuck in over the weekend on Twitter. He said, "Just watch the tail end of the Paul Ball documentary. If you're gay, I assume you know before you're forty odd. Just come out with it. Go get bummed. Terrible having a family and kids. As Schofield did, and putting them through it all, and just playing the victim." Oh, God, no, I'm not sure what he was up to there on the Saturday <laughs> evening. <laughs> you talking about Paul Schofield, did by any chance, no? I don't know. about Philip Schofield, I think. Uh, he says, I've ranted about it before, but people can't see it, though, so it's pointless. If it was their kin, he was wanking off and be a different... Jesus Christ. I'm sure he had a, he had a bare knuckle fight the other week, did they know, I'm sure? I, I, think, I think he must have done. Almost the effects of it there. Yeah, <laughs> <this week>. <laughs> 
Oh dear. Uh, oh. Bunsey, the main man himself here. Oh, yes. <laughs> Live on Channel 5 now, Frampton versus Herring. History in Dubai, a special, special fight. Uh, GD1964, if Herring starts to tie because of weight issues, maybe Carl can push on in the later rounds. Bingo, says Bunce. Tony Vacant, Bell Bellew, <laughs> nominated. See you, Bunsey, mate. You should have known better. I'm a fighter <laughs> and I'm a writer. My yeah. book is ranked above Lawrence Acoli. Let's see who beats Lawrence Acoli. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was looking at that headline and I thought it was like, it didn't ring in my head for a second. I thought I like flash forward 20 years and read live on ch Channel 5 now, World War Three history in Dubai. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Oh, Bunty may feature again later. Uh, Mauricio Suleiman said, 21 years, that April the 1st, 2000, Christiane yes. and I held hands and began our lifetime journey together. Bruce Leroy Green says, if you franchise her, you can have a second wife. <laughs> ah, I as well. I should say, did, you, did you make a belt for the occasion? Can you imagine? It's, it's, it's a marital she, belt. He's, I, mean, he's, he's, I, I heard from the great man, his wife wanted one of those strap-on belts. <laughs> I don't know for, for whatever reason, like, but you know. What grapevine was that? <laughs> I want to know what sanctions he would be for that type of behaviour, though, man. Uh, Mike Breeland nominating him for that one. Here he is. Bunsey was saying that um, people have, a, have an issue with things he says, but nobody ever comes up to him at the show. I 100% beat Steve Bunce on a split decision, been on the pads in the park all week, says Noni Tom. You don't want that smoke, son. <laughs> 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 Oh, fucking Bunch. Did you hear Bunch going on about the about uh, Carol last night? He says, you know, it'll, it'll be a relief. Well, Jane can't. Yeah, hi, Jane can't. He says, he's not getting, he's not getting his phone call for the wife that your kids got measles and that. He says, whose kids got fucking measles these days, man? What was that all about? He was going on about those. He's, oh, he's, he's, going, he's, going, he's going to the cop, he's going to the, 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 the host, whatever her name is and stuff like that. He says, you know what it's like, you get phone calls and stuff like that, you get like, the kids and that. I says to myself, Bunch has got kids, do they? His kids never fucking phone him to ask him for like help or advice and stuff like that. Just the mother that puts up with the shit. Jade can't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the, you know the best bit about that is what he says. You know what I'm saying after that's the best bit. It's not an evening on BT Sport without Buncey there jabbing an A4 piece of paper into the camera and having a good rant, Dominic. <laughs> that's a great comment. Someone put a comment on Twitter last night about it and said. You always get the, the impression when Bunce is on with a female anchor that he's just a pubic her away from saying something outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> I love a bit of Bunce. Love a bit of Bunce. You can't see anything outrageous, <laughs> though. <laughs> uh, Molly McCann. I know this is a long shot, but it's my birthday when Katie Taylor and Tasha Jonas fight. Is there any chance of a ticket, please? May I go, says Molly McCann. And uh, Franny has nominated her there. Just, just asking questions, you know. Uh, Matt uh, says, Barrera, Morales, Tyson, Holyfield... Oscar Chavez Sr. comebacks and Chavez Jr. versus an MMA fighter. While Crawford doesn't fight, Spence and Fury AJ announcement of an announcement due soon again. Belly of the week for boxing altogether here, Rob. Little does he know, according to a source, E. Hearn, the Fury versus Joshua fight <laughs> is signed. Yeah. Yeah. We're expecting an announcement any day. Some site people... Look, there's a great bunch of lads organising this fight and I'm sure it'll get done um, when we see it 2021, probably, but I don't want to fucking talk about it. I'm, I'm with the listener. like I don't want to talk about this shit until it's fucking happening because even when it's happening, it might not happen. So just get it happening. Get him in the press conference. Get Fiori in his suit that he's going to wear for the whole week. Do, his, do this shit and then just get Go him in the ring. Go short and tie on. 
much yeah, with the suit. Do, do the mind games. Do the fucking let watch AJ explode or implode some way plode, and uh, let's just get the fucking fight on. Like, but yeah, you're right. Like, look at this shit. And Oscar's guess who Oscar's fighting? By the way, he's, he's gonna be rough and tough against Roy Jones Jr., who just can't stop fighting on Thriller. Yeah, uh, Roy Jones Roy just Jones. put his name forward for the fight on June the 9th, so stay the, tuned. Who the fuck is planning this fight? Did they, like, just go through all the potential options Snippy. you can make on it's, fight night on the video game? You're like, Snippy, oh, I, Yeah, I think it's just fighters in Snoop Dogg's phone. He's just like, oh, I got Roy Jones Jr., gangster. Let me... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be a really bad one day when he's like, oh, man, I, I'm going to call Vernon Forrest. Oh, by the way, can I jump in here for a Belly of the Week nomination before I forget it, Steve-O? Yes, yes. Uh, Did anyone see the hot boxing with Mike Tyson podcast with Thomas Hearns and Sugar Ray Leonard? No. Uh, I've chucked that out. I've Well, the fucking boys end up saying something to each other and Sugar Ray Leonard says to Tommy Hearns, Tommy, I'd knock you out now. And then Tommy yeah. stands up and Sugar Ray Leonard starts to square it up to him and the, the two of them uh, start uh, exchanging reaches and that. And then um, Tommy Hearns, or Tommy Hearns uh, puts his, 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 extends his jab and then Leonard makes a move and, Tom, and Mike Tyson's in the background going, Ray, stop fucking with him, Ray. Ray, please, man, stop fucking with him. And then Tommy's getting all hyped up and Tommy's a bit punch drunk, like, so the words aren't coming out clear. And then Sugar Ray Leonard goes, does anyone know what language he's speaking? Is he talking German? And then Mike Tyson says, oh, Tommy, he's talking shit about your linguistic skills. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking surreal, man. Fuck COVID. Fucking hell, man. It's like fucking dystopian. Send it to Bolivia. And and to make it to make it worse, who's sitting on watching it all out of the fucking four kings? Not obviously not Hagler, not Duran. Shane Mosley. Shane Mosley's in the fucking background watching it all. This is not the dystopian future I hope for. I tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Who was who was hosting that? By the way, just told Jeremy Piven. Oh no, I think he's ditched as well, isn't he? I don't know. Well, I think Tyson, Tyson gets emotional and fucks people over like so. Dude. They're rotating it now. They're gonna have different people all the time. They need to well, get right? Eben, they need to get um, Eben Bridges back in there, like. And for for anyone who hasn't seen it and likes just shit that is incredibly awkward, check out the episode with them and Tyson Fury. Americans asking Tyson Fury all these questions about being a gypsy is one of the most fucking awkward things I have ever witnessed in my goddamn <laughs> life. It was just awkward silence and following dumb words like the fuck does this even mean to you like did you not just pay attention to the last fucking two minutes you jerk off they should have got isaac low on to translate <laughs> no, put some titles on. i think i think isaac low might be like the thing that is supposed to be here in between us and planet of the apes <laughs> he said he says he says set your goals on a monday morning and the team tune for Going for gold just as playing in the background. <laughs> going for going for gold. Yeah. Well, yeah, his response to that is, <laughs> Michael Michael Benson uh, tweeted out. I don't know if we're supposed to be still having ban, but anyway, uh, Eddie Hearn has revealed he's looking to stage a super flyweight double header later this year with Estrada versus Gonzalez three. Uh, Sorong Vizai against Quadras. Blah blah blah. Prince Patel said, "Interesting." My belt's being kept warm for another two fights, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the prince. By the, way, by the way, I forgot to mention Tommy Hearns' rebuttal. He said he got Detroit on Sugar Ray Leonard and he said, I'll knock your junkie ass out right now. <laughs> <laughs> See, the old Leonard liked a bit of the fucking Peruvian. Uh, fucking... Yep. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, Ray, Ray, Ray's nostrils did start to get larger as his career progressed. Like, yeah, yeah there's definitely like something Westbrook. going in there. A lot of people forget as well that Ray was about handy with a woman. Mm. People forget. Well, he was named after Ray Robinson, so. Yeah, just following the lineage. Uh, BoxingScene.com, yes. Tiafino Lopez Senior. We took a stand like our lead did in Vietnam. Tiafino is only That's fighting on pay per view from now on. This is one of my nominations, by the way. This is an absolute joke. I've got the quote here, right? So he says, yeah, We took a stand. This is as big as like, Muhammad Ali, you know, like he did, he stood for his rights. He didn't want to go to Vietnam. It's the same shit we're doing with my son. Also, <laughs> look, you're not getting drafted to go to Afghanistan or Iraq or some fucking other place to go and fight fucking Uncle Sam's wars. There's fucking nothing like Muhammad Ali. He was fighting racism, fighting, <laughs> you know, trying to keep his, his license, his title, his fucking career, his family together and stuff like that. He's trying to get... He, we're going to put him in jail for five fucking years. Lopez is fighting for equality, Andy, man, so that all tier females looking for pay-per-view get a fair shake. Fucking God, God damn it, Walter! What does anything have to do with Viet fucking Nam? <laughs> that, that's that's a belter, that in it. Man, that is incredible. So actually, that actually, I mean, that was one of my nominations this week. Lopez Senior, man, he's clearly on the crack cocaine this week. Has to be, man. Yeah, that is me smoking that fine shit coming from Vietnam, like baby caught again. <laughs> Black tar heroin. Does this, does this mean that Tia Females had the option other than fighting on pay per view is to go work for the forestry service? <laughs> I don't know. So that, Chris- that that's a very American joke. Sorry, if you didn't want to go to war, you could go work for the Forestry Service. There's your history lesson, you fuck. It's, Thanks, it's really, I've never heard so much shit. Look, imagine that. Way. <laughs> Muhammad Ali was, was was risking going to jail. He was happy to stand up for his beliefs. Willingly walked out of the sport for three years. Well, no, willingly, but it was happy to walk out for three years for his own rights, and all because you jumped ship. Because somebody else came in with a bigger push bed that somehow all of a sudden is, is bigger or better than Muhammad Ali. Just shut the fuck up, dude. I would pay pay-per-view money for, like, Tiafimo Lopez, Crawford, all these other big, like... I'll tell you what. All, the, all these other big paid fucking uh, fighters to be, like, fucking doing a protest chanting, No, no. We shall overcome. No, what you need on Twitter. What you need on Twitter. What you need on Thriller is Tiafimo Lopez Sr. versus Angel Garcia. That's the fucking... That's no, the no. one. That one. No, I'd no, pay no, for no. that. No, no. I would, I would pay for Lopez Sr. if fight Joko Willink. Anybody who knew Joko Willink is? Oh, yeah, that Navy sealed guy. Oh, aye. No, listen, he would fucking bring the heat, by the way. Lopez Sr. would be lying in a heap of trash, by the way, within five minutes of that guy getting his hands on him. I'm tell you right now, I'd pay money to watch Joko Willink destroy him. <laughs> Okay, let's see what else we've got. Chris Crotty was one of many people to nominate that one, by the way. Uh, here we are, Ben. Uh, any interest in this? Super Dicky. Watch the Meet the Carns tonight, BBC One, 10.45. Did you manage to catch that at all? No, I haven't seen it. Episode, is there eight episodes yet? That's <laughs> one thing I am not going to be watching. Eight episodes. I hope it's, I hope it's like Meet the Fuckers when fucking Amir fucking smacks her in the face with a fucking volleyball at the fucking pool. Shut that, shut that. Well, it sounds quite exciting, Ben. It says Fariel escapes the chaos at home for some influencer work and leaves Amir to look after the kids. The couple discuss making headlines and reflect on their past over a rare date night. Yeah. I, I, I honestly didn't know anything about it until um, Amir started posting. Uh, Things on it, but apparently they've been filming it for quite uh, about ten months or something like eight, ten months. So it must, um, you know, eight episodes. It says there. So yeah, um, but I, I'm I keeping like up it. with the Kardashians. Good on him. He's, make, he's making money, so it's uh, you know, it's, uh, he's doing his thing. 
good old Amir. Uh, Vince Cummings what, is it, what, what happens is, does the Kirby enthusiasm music start playing when he's caught wanking on Skype? Like, what, 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 that's solid, bro. That's fucking solid. Uh, yeah, Vince Cummings, why are American fight fans so surprised UK fight fans thinks White beats uh, Wilder? Uh, Ian Cameron basically said that he thought uh, Wilder beat both White and Fury. I see this a lot, actually, Andy, about this all UK fight fans think this, UK fight f- fans think that. Everybody from these islands aren't one big homogenous group who like follow you know everything that's yeah. going on on Sky Sports News. Yeah. I think Vinny knows that actually. Well, I think Vinny listens to us. And stuff. You, you know, we're talking about us per se. I don't think. Yeah, but, not uh, him so much. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a Billy Brit situation, isn't it? I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't support fighters. I mean, I, I was never a big fan of Scott Harrison, for example. You know, so it's, it's not like you know, I know the Irish back their own and stuff. But for me, for me, back a fighter, they, they didn't have to be white. They didn't have to be Scottish. I mean, fucking Nigel Benn was my my man grew up as a kid and that. So. You know, racism or the, or the racial aspect that was never an issue for me and stuff. So um, it's just endemic in boxing, isn't it? Yeah. It's all full. It's full of fucking headbangers, like generally, like you know, we get out of the casuals, but the hardcore cases, like so. Yeah. If I see like I'm a fan of foreign fighters, obviously Yuzik, Crawford. Um, I need to think about obviously up at cruiserweight and stuff, but um, yeah, I've not really, I've not really got a lot of British fighters. That I'm fans of for actually following stuff like that. To be honest with you, you know. Hayes retired, Frampton's retired, Kawasaki's gone. I prefer Fury over Joshua. Um, um, we've said their piece about Josh Kelly, for example. I mean, who well, else my favourite fighter of all time, Andy Matthew Saad Mohammed. I don't there think we've go. got too much in common. <laughs> no, no. You know, um, I'm just trying to think of uh, British fighters coming through that I might be a fan of, actually. I like Jesse Rodriguez, uh, the mm-hmm. Mexican kid. Well, he's an American, um, I think. Uh, cut a Puerto Rican fighters are not coming through, so yeah. I mean, I, I don't really like to keep myself to kind of British fighters only and stuff like that. I just think it's a lot of shy coming through, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Really it is. It's a bit like the Aussies, man. You know, it, the Aussies, not, none's too shy for them, you know. So they, 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 they've been back, the, the, the club fighter to win a world title, and that. that's what it's getting like in the UK just now, you know. Oh, we're not going to get stuck in on them two weeks in a row, are we? Oh, no. <laughs> there was a guy complaining, Oh, well, I've got, up, I've got yeah. one complaint about the Aussies, and that, but we'll I'm just joking. Two Shout eyes. out to Father Dave. Shout out to Father, Father Dave, Dave. Father Dave's coming. He's coming soon. Uh, Matthew Macklin, uh, William McNamara has nominated David White for getting confused about who Matthew Macklin was complaining about when he was complaining about an early stoppage. Uh, Joseph Webb has nominated the London Mint Office. The official WBC Rumble on the Rock two-pound coin is no ringside. Not long now until White goes head-to-head with Povetkin to fight for the most prestigious title belt there is, the title of interim WBC heavyweight champion. <laughs> 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 Good luck, Dillian. Oh God, casuals at the London Mint. Anton hey, How long is it? How, how long do you think it's going to be before the WBC sanctions a ladder match? Oh. <laughs> I'd be surprised. Flipping tables, match. I doubt Chisora being that. Elbow wins that one. Easy. And there was a post come up about uh, Nassim Hamed's son apparently pounding the bags, and Long Rod Todd said the offspring never live up to their father's legacy yet to see it. Terry Silver disagreed. He said, "What about Mayweather or Fury?" Well, <laughs> Tyson, I'd say, is probably doing all right for himself compared to Big John's legacy. <laughs> and that is all the ones that I have. Any nominations from you, Andy? I know you already threw one in. Yeah, so uh, the, um, the Lopez situation. I'm, I, I'm trying to find the guy's name. Him doing the interviews for the Australian show on Wednesday there. Anybody in the chat can throw it out to me as I read this out and that, but uh, it was quite good. So he's interviewing um, 
Tim Zhu in the, in the changing room. The, the first question he hits him with is, so Tim, what's the game plan tonight? Tim just basically launches on and says, I'm going to hurt him. I'm going to hurt him bad. <clears throat> Next question. How you plan on doing that? Tim Zhu's just responds, fucking straight face, punch him in the face. It was <laughs> 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 like, awful questions, man. Awful questions. Um, Father Dave, which we be update. I don't know if Aussie was going to uh, go and touch him and stuff, but I found out actually, thanks to Father Dave's own Twitter account, uh, a big press release he issued there. Uh, he actually <laughs> fought Will Bill, right? For the world, <laughs> for the world United Championship, Brad Smith title. Now, we found just... out, we found out that, that that Brad Smith was the son who the son of uh, Brendan Brad, Smith. Uh, Brendan Smith, his old yeah. trainer. Uh, what like uh, the bishop? <laughs> no. That's what I was thinking about doing. You're, 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 hold on, you're gonna you're gonna feel like an ass in like less than ten seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, finish about the Brendan Todd's child. <laughs> Well, Bill. Yep. So I, so I, uh, World United Championship, Brad Smith title. Um, else we got? I think that's what I've got actually. Uh, I Lopez, as I say. No, no. Why is it named after Brendan Smith's child? Why, why would they want to honor this child, Andy? I don't know. <laughs> because I, I think he, I think he died of like leukemia or something like that, at like nine or ten years old, if I remember. Oh, uh, the Brendan Smith, the trainer, his son. Yeah, he didn't know. He got killed. He got killed in the fucking boxing ring in 2018. That's what he's oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, what am I thinking of? It's still, it's still really bad. It's still. <laughs> I guess it's better than cancer. <laughs> Just about. I'm not sure we're here to judge. Josh Ford says, "What about Father Dave versus Big John Fury?" Though Andy, that could be a goer. Where is Big John Fury ducking Father Dave? Uh, where is he? Where are you, John? Where are uh, you? <laughs> I mean, hey guys, I, I, I get off big John man's big raging videos on Twitter, man. Never, never any action about fights getting getting sanctioned. There's any contracts getting signed. Hey, so who's this Hoggy? Who's this? Who's this after Isaac in the call for heroes? Any others, Andy, from you? That was me, mate. We've lost Dominic, unfortunately. Ben, any nominations for you? Belly of the Week, episode 417? No, no. MC for that Dubai card, sorry. The MC for that Dubai card. He was loving it last night. <laughs> he was paid by the board, I think. I think he did all right, actually, to be honest. I mean, you know, he was good comedy value. I thought it was more interesting uh, seeing uh, David Diamante say, uh, uh, "Welcome everyone and assalamu alaikum Uzbekistan." <laughs> that was uh, a new one. Good old David. Uh, any nominations? Sorry, Ben, from you? No, none from me. Nothing from Ben. Anything from you, Matthew? <laughs> How the fuck can you beat Tio's dad, dude? <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's true. That's my nominee. That's my that's my winning vote. Lopez Senior. Yeah. Any from you, uh, Rob? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's um, a social media boxing outlet called Gloves Up Global. And they had a quote up earlier from Eddie Hearn to say, it's going to happen in a short amount of time. Uh, nobody's doing it like us. Uh, in a short matter of time, we're going to be UFC and boxing. Log it. Uh, something like that. So even Ed, <laughs> Eddie's about to make his own UFC and boxing. Where we wait to see, man. You know, best of luck with that one. Hope it happens for you. Can't see it somehow. Uh, and then what was the other one? Oh yeah, Tommy, <laughs> Tommy and Sugar Ray Leonard squaring up to each other with Shane Mosey on looking and Mike Tyson commentating. 
yeah, if that doesn't get it, I don't know. Like that's a fucking that's a tough one to beat that one. Like. Nomination for me for Chuck Greer. He's, been, he's had an absolute mare tonight. He's on a shift. He's announced that he's been hiding in the toilet, and he and he just announced that he's fallen asleep. asleep. He also said, "Very <laughs> on the Doom's not a Muslim." He's fucking. That pissed me off. I was going to say something. He's pissed me off with that because if you knew anything about Islam, then you'd know that it's no place for anyone else to judge it. So you're a fucking knob for saying that, Chuck Greer. And an additional nomination for you. Yeah. Uh, any others, boys? <laughs> to be fair, if anybody follows the chat any given week, Chuck Wu could win. I don't know why we haven't addressed this before, but Chuck Wu really is eligible just for his chat during the uh, the podcast. To be honest, mate, it's an unwritten rule, but then they like to mock the afflicted, you know. <laughs> yeah, hey, we're looking after Chuck Rue on. We're looking at his carers on a Sunday evening. Yeah, exactly, Narcoleptic. He just keeps falling asleep like fucking. <laughs> he gets allowed for two hours. Two hours. Of uh, we look after out. him, so give his friends a break. I think on a Sunday afternoon evening. Um, so uh, yes, I think I am going to go for Tio Senior. Andy, yes. I believe you're also going yes. to. Yes, yes, Tio Senior. Yeah. I mean, uh, ben, on, I mean, what? I mean. Junior's like you know he's he's making up so many of these these situations where he's you know Muhammad Ali couldn't survive what Tio Lopez Junior's going through at the minute and that can you imagine that Ali being alive today he's having all these problems with Bob Arum kind of get on pay per view in the ESPN he's going to go to another network to get six million dollars and there's Ali doesn't even know he was born that Lopez is having to deal with all this, all this stramash in the background and that. And that, what Ali dealt with was absolute piss. Had nothing at all. You know, no hassles for Ali. Ali should never fucking have to deal with that. Lopez is it's a heartbreaking situation for him to be in. I'm disappointed for him. Thank you. Who are you going for, Ben? <laughs> it's got to be Tio's dad, man. It's got to be 100%. That's three for Tio Senior. What about you, Matty? Oh, man, it's got to be Tio Senior. Look at Chuck with the wee grassing in the fucking chat. Andy never said anything about fucking Farrell being a no proper Muslim or anything like that. Just ignore him. We're on Bellew the week now. Just ignore him. Oh, what a maggot. Right, Rob, who are you going for? <laughs> no, I'm sticking, I'm sticking to Leonard Harden's on the thighs and hot boxing. I can't get it out of my head. Like, fucking, leave him alone, Ray. Stop fucking with the guy. <laughs> he, oh, Tommy, he's testing your linguistic skills. Your linguistic skills. <laughs> oh, that was a close second, Rob. That, I'm sure that was a good one. Need to get them two fighting on, on Trillo, Rob. The worst ah, part, hundred percent. The worst part about that situation was it was like uh, Sugar Ray Leonard wanted it to happen because he wanted to show like I'm still. The... It was that air of narcissism that. Just yeah, yeah. Really he didn't come across good. Always been like that. He He's always yeah. been like that. Doesn't come across good. Like it's just all about him. Like and Harns is like clearly punch drunk, so mocking it was a bit of a wanker move. Like you know what I mean. But then Turner Harns had said to him he was a junkie, so maybe all's fair. Also on Hotboxing, congratulations, episode 417, Tia Senior, you are the winner. And I think that'll do us for this evening. I've had a great chat. Everyone seems to have had a good time in the chat on the panel as well. Thanks to Dominic for joining us. A fleeting appearance from him. Rapping Rob Kelly's been here as well, as has Matty, Ben Faruqi, Andy Patterson. Shout out to Mark Mills, who left us a super chat earlier. We've had a great time. I've been Steve Wellings. We'll catch you all again for episode 418. Same time, same place next week. Let's play the outro for a change, shall we? Bye. We'll never forget. Yeah, we just get that me. Go to animals! We want to be honest, yeah. Crying like a little bitch. I'm not a metaphor, so I ain't gonna confide me. I, I fell asleep. 
I fell asleep. You're a fucking bum, you're a fucking asshole. Rumpo fucking stealth skin. But allegedly Oscar Rivas has has, has failed has failed a test. Seven year aim. Seven year aim. I don't fucking smash fucking you. I hope you fucking die. Be safe. I love boxing sounds, as simple as that. Sports Social Podcast Network.